So, so yeah, as soon as we get some confirmation, I'll uh, start having a chat. Lee Harvey Hitler says we're working here. All right, so it is October 30, 2019. JLB coming to you from Vietnam in the north. It's uh, Hanoi. I'm in Hanoi, actually, just uh, south of the... Not like the CBD. Hanoi doesn't really have a, a CBD that I can gather, but like the main area, the main tourist and, and business area... I'm just south of that, maybe five minutes by bike. So, uh, so pretty close to the middle. But it's 1020 local, so I've got to speak fairly quietly. This, uh, this whole room echoes and I've got neighbors behind me. I don't think they can hear anything, but don't want to take any risks. So I'll be speaking very quietly. So forgive me if, uh, my voice cuts in and out. But, uh, you can probably hear some background noise. We've got some traffic to the side and, uh, yeah. Living the life here in Vietnam. So what are we talking about today? Well, this is a test run. I wanted to test the, the live stream capabilities of, of the internet in this uh, apartment. And I thought, well, it's been a while since the last show, so what am I going to talk about? And I thought, well, let's talk about some fakeology, shall we? Let's discuss some fakeology. I first got into what I now call the act realm, the alternative conspiracy truth realm back in uh, about 2013. And what happened was I saw a video either about Boston or Sandy Hook and uh, one thing led to another and then I came to realise that certain events on the TV are not real. It's all make-believe. And uh, so that was about six years ago now. And then I started a podcast and eventually started my own YouTube channel. And before long I came to learn about this group called Fakeologist. Let's go and bring them up on the screen. This is Fakeologist. Let me... Let me get that. Let me, uh, there we go. Is that working? Let's find out. There you go, fakeologist.com. And has that, has he reverted to a, a more simple blog format, has he? Normally it looks a bit more sophisticated than this, but looks like he's reverted back to the, the 2012, uh, WordPress theme. Is that 2012? Could even be 11. 11 or 12. It's from a long time ago anyway. But say that's fakeologist.com, so that's that's a website. Many of you guys know about this. They talk about media fakery. That's their main thing. And and back in 2013, 14, that was my main thing as well. These these lies about mass casualty events and and this kind of thing. But but what I came to learn was that it's not just the mass casualty events. It's uh, it's also more innocuous things. I mean, some relatively minor. Media stories, it seems, are fake as well. And that's what the fake all just talks about. I mean, he's based in Canada, in uh, Toronto, Ontario, the great, the great lakes of, what is it, Lake Ontario? Something like that, I don't know. Never been there. But he sometimes talks about stories in his local news that they're not mass casualty, but he thinks they're fake as well, like relatively minor car crashes, this kind of thing. But then there's also events like planes disappearing, you know, some of the, the plane events disappearing. For instance, there was that MH, not the 370, I think the 370 is the one that disappeared. Was it the 37 MH? Three something, I think. The one that was supposedly shot down by the, uh, the Russian separatists. Back in 2014, that's the kind of thing I still believed in. I still believed that the, that plane had actually crashed. But I just thought the story that we were being told was fake. So if we were told that it was the Russian separatists, Oh no, it was really America trying to, to frame them. That's the kind of thing I used to believe when I was still pretty new to all of this. 
And fakeologist sort of helps me to see, well, well, maybe, you know, maybe people died or got hurt, but maybe the whole event was fake. And then when you've already bought into this idea of, oh, no, it's real, but we've been lied to about who did it, it is difficult at first to extract yourself from that and then realise, well, maybe I've been deceived again. Maybe nothing actually did happen. You know, let's go back to the start and, and look at the evidence. And then when you do that, you realise there's just so little evidence to go on. So little evidence. So you're kind of left with, well, do I trust TV or, or the government or mainstream media? Or do I just disregard the whole story and say, well, it could be real, but it could be fake. It's uh, another potential case of media fakery. Move on. Move on with my life, you see. So Fakeologist was very useful for that. And, yeah, I mean, they're still in operation. Absolute runs his website. I still visit there sometimes. They've got their own Discord server. If you're still new to the Act Realmly alternative conspiracy truth realm, I do recommend you check that place out. It's not as active in some ways as it used to be. Once upon a time, there was a, a small, loosely knit online community. And I mean online community. Obviously, e-community is a different term, real life. But there was something there, I think. And to an extent, there still is, but not the way that it used to be. These days, you, when you go there, you want to be a bit more prepared to uh, to deal with antagonism. There's one or two people there who are very antagonistic. For whatever reason, that's just the way they are, apparently. So, you know, don't go there expecting it to be uh, all all honey and milk and roses and sunshine. But uh, if you're interested in these kinds of things, media fakery, it's definitely worth checking out, fakeologist.com. So let's fast forward then. From Fakeologist, I learned about a guy called Ray West. Now, this is his website. Look at that. For those of you who are listening to this as an audio, this is one of the most bizarre layouts for a website you're ever going to see. Instead of having, say, a few images or links on the front page that you can then follow through, it's got pretty much every link of the site on the front page. So it's kind of like, it's almost like the opposite of what the internet was almost designed to be, like hyperlink, 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 like down the rabbit hole. This guy, Ray West, just puts it all on the front page, which I, like, I admire in a way, but it just looks, looks full on, doesn't it? Looks full on. But anyway, this guy, Ray West of Big Lies, he's a British fellow and his, uh, his main topics are basically the Jews, the Jewish Christian. He's one of those people who seems to think that it's all the Jews who are responsible for all the problems in the world. I, I don't know if that is his actual position, but that's the impression he gives. But that's not really why I was interested in his work. What I was interested in was his work on the new coax, which is fantastic. And one of the things that has stayed with me ever since I first saw it was where he took... He must have taken his camera, uh, like his phone camera or a real camera, I don't know. He just walked around, I guess it was summer in England, and he'd walk up to people and he'd say you know, sorry to bother you, I want to ask you a question. Without commenting on the truth or otherwise of it, have you ever heard the theory that nuclear bombs are a hoax? Right? So he was framing his question in a very clever way. He wasn't saying, are nukes fake? Because everyone's going to say, of course not they're real. He's saying, have you even heard the idea that they're not real? As in, like, it's like a meta question. Take a step back. Have you even heard anyone suggest that these devices are not real? Right, and then by saying, without commenting on the truth or otherwise, he's like, don't even, don't even tell me that they're real. I'm not asking you that. I'm just asking, have you heard the idea that they're not? And then watching people's responses to those questions, uh, you know, I can't really put into words, as a viewer, the experience it was watching that for the first time. 
I don't know if those videos are still around. I think his channel got deleted by YouTube. I'm not sure. But if you're interested in the, in the nuclear bomb question, then definitely see if you can find those videos because they were very well done, very clever, and very non-confrontational. You know, he wasn't trying to put people on the spot or make them look silly. I think what he was trying to demonstrate was most people haven't even thought about this thing, this idea. You know, and then what happens when they're presented with it? You know, implicitly by the question. By being asked a question, now you, they are being presented that notion, uh, if only by implication. So how do they respond to that? Fascinating stuff. So that helps me to learn about the nuclear bomb hoax. Helped me to learn about my own, like what I thought I knew about it, uh, the nuclear bomb concept. And then I guess go back to the start and go, well, what, what do I know about atoms? What do I know about atomic theory? What do I know about the, the development of the nuclear bomb and the Manhattan Project? And what do I think I know? What have I heard? All the stories I've heard, how much evidence have I been given? Just go right back to the start. And of course, by doing that, you come to realize that the fakery goes away beyond TV. It goes into so-called science, into academia, and into the stories we're told about war, because, you know, wasn't Japan bombed with atomic bombs twice 70, 70 years ago? I got into all of this around 2015, so it was 70 years back then, but now I guess it's 74, 75, three quarters of a century, yeah? 40 to still, 74 years. How about that? So it was around 2015, and of course at that time, there was a big explosion, flat earth, on the internet, which better or for worse, I played my role in by way of interviewing a whole bunch of them in the space of 12 weeks. I interviewed Mark Sargent, Jeronism, Wakey Wakey, Eric Dubay. There was a guy back then called Stars Are Souls. Not sure if he's still around. Obviously, Matrix Decoding, David Weiss were on the panel at the time. Who else was there? I've probably missed a couple. But um, some of those guys are still around to this day in Flat Earth, you know, four years later. So when you start questioning heliocentrism, it's the same idea. It's like this goes beyond TV. This goes into academia, into so-called science. This goes into society. These are questions that so, so many people will never even ask. How do I know that I live on a giant spinning ball? How do I know that we're hurtling around the sun or that the sun is hurtling around the center of the galaxy or any of this stuff? How do we know that? Most people just don't question it. So what this makes you do is start to question, well, hold on, are we really as smart as we think we are? Am I as individual as smart as I thought I was? And are all these other people as smart as I thought they were? And, uh, of course, eventually I realized that, no, I wasn't as smart as I thought I was. I had to go right back to the start with my own education, my own self-education. And, of course, most people aren't willing to even begin doing that. So if they've been brainwashed or indoctrinated into nonsense, absurdity, stupidity, buffoonery, then that's what you're left with. That's, that's what the vast majority of people are, you start to realize. And so, that, again, that was around 2015, 2016, and then... I started gearing up for the filming of a film called Dino Skeptic. And that wasn't my idea. That was a, a real-life friend of mine who suggested that to me. And he's not on board with a lot of this so-called conspiracy stuff. But I think, because he's an intelligent guy, I think he just liked this idea of, well, yeah, test what you think you know. And if you're actually onto something, why not try to make the most of it? Yeah, if, he was basically like, JLB, if, if what you're saying about dinosaurs is true then why don't you go and see the dinosaurs in the middle of Australia? Be the first one to expose that they're fake. You know, make a movie out of it. Let's do something cool. And and so, yeah, that was that was a pretty cool thing. So I started moving my mind towards that. At the time, I had a full-time job. That was in 2016. And uh, the YouTube channel at the time had maybe a 1,000, 2,000 subscribers, something like this. And so by this stage, I already worked my way through the, the hoax hierarchy, as it were, from the basic media fakery through to the 
the slightly higher level, like the moon landings and Osama bin Laden. And then I worked my way up to higher levels of the hoax hierarchy, as I call it. Dinosaurs, evolution, nuclear bombs, obviously, heliocentrism, as we've discussed. And I was already starting to get well across this idea that war um, war is, is a hoax, not just nuclear bombs, but what we're told about war is a hoax. And also, uh, one other thing on that, that particular... Oh, so once you learn about war, you start to learn about history as well. Also, heliocentrism, you have to learn about history. Like, oh, when did they prove that we live in a spinning ball? Oh, there was this guy, Eratosthenes, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, how do I know that Eratosthenes did that? Oh, we've got this story. Okay, where's this? Where's that story come from? What's the sources? What's the evidence? And then most people will never check it. Most people will never, ever check that. Okay, so you say Eratosthenes did it. How do we know that? Most people will never check that, ever. But I was like, I'm going to go check that. They've lied about everything else. Or we've been deceived about everything else. How do I know that it's not the same thing with, with this Eratosthenes story? There is no Eratosthenes. It's all a make-believe story, right? And so, so I started to learn about the, the history hoax as well. And again, we were talking about 2015, 2016 here. And then basically from 2017 and 20, 2018, those two years, I put a lot of time and effort into trying to build up the YouTube channel, trying to build up my website. So I started producing member-only content, videos, podcasts, articles, just for membership of my website with a view to building it and being able to quit my real job and quit my part-time job, which I replaced the full-time job with, and just do this full-time, move to a low-cost-of-living country and uh, and get the best of both worlds, get to do some travelling, but also live in, in cheap Airbnbs. I mean, this place was 340 US for a month. 340 US for a month. And back in Brisbane, that gets you nothing. Get you a bedroom. You know. I was paying about 480 a month US, 450, 480 depending on the exchange rate, US a month for a bedroom in Brisbane. Yeah, that gets me a two bedroom apartment. I've got a bedroom there, I'm not even using it. You guys can come and live there if you want. Seriously, I've got a spare bedroom, just come. You're welcome. No one else is using it. It's just sitting there. It's, and it's, the, it's the king, that's the main bedroom. I don't sleep in that one because it's too bright in the morning. So it just sits there, does nothing. So I've got a two bedroom apartment here in Hanoi for less than I would pay for one bedroom in Brisbane, right? Lunch costs me typically about $2 US, typically 2 to $3 US. And um, my gym membership costs me only slightly less than in Australia, but it's a freaking kick-ass gym. It's one of the best gyms I've ever been, been to, been a member of. And um, I can go to a cafe and sit down and, and have a coffee for 2 or $3. And now overall, my life is a lot uh, less expensive than it was, which means that the relatively small revenues that I make from the website are sufficient to, to pay for all of this. And that's basically been my progression through through the ACT realm and then it's sort of how it's changed my life. Now, a lot of people, when they get into all of this, it does change their life, but for different reasons. For a lot of people, they, they feel they have to tell other people, they have to tell their friends and their family and they get themselves in a, a lot of trouble because of that. That wasn't so much of a problem for me. I'd already moved so far away from where I grew up by the time I learned about all of this that I didn't really have people to alienate in that way and even if I did I wasn't reckless enough to do that but a lot of you guys watching this or listening to this you, you know that this can be life changing even if it's just insofar as how you interact with the people around you and, and what they think of you if you post a, a meme to Facebook about vaccines or something and you start getting treated like a leper people treat you like a like some kind of evil person because you no longer believe what the TV says 
So you guys know all about that. In my case, the, the change in life is a bit more dramatic because look at me now. You know, look what I'm doing. I'm sitting here in Hanoi. It's, it's 10.36 p.m. And I'm in a big, big apartment. No, sitting here doing this right now. And I've been traveling for about, uh, yeah, eight or nine months now, I think. And, and this is what I do. This is what I do now. So the other consequence of this, the other corollary, the thing that follows from this is because I'm now doing this all the time, and I've been putting so much effort into it for years now, not because I'm smarter or more intelligent than people, but just because I've had more time to put into this. And I guess more reason to follow things through because, hey, I've got to present this now. I've got people they are paying money to access my website. I want to produce stuff that's worthy of their membership. You know, I need to keep these people as members. I can't just produce crap. I've got to really follow through, provide citations and references and, and make sure that this is solid work, right? So I've got to be more thorough, more methodical in what I do. And so because I've been doing that for several years now, I've discovered things about this, this act realm and about certain so-called conspiracies that no one's ever discovered before. And again, it's not because I'm more intelligent than, than anybody else. That's not necessarily the reason. It's just because I'm, I have to put in the time and the effort. And then when you couple that with the fact that I do have a, a university degree from a, a decent university by Australian standards, by world standards, it's nothing special, but the country I come from, it is a decent university. They claimed, they claimed to be ranked in the top 100 in the world, but whatever. I don't really believe in any of that nonsense. It's not, it's not a prestigious thing. You, you would probably never have heard of it if you're not Australian, put it that way. But it is a three-year degree, and so I did have to learn research methodology there. I had to learn how to look up a scientific paper, how to study the scientific paper, how to analyze the statistical methodology that's used in the paper. I had to learn all of that. And I had to learn how to write and use citations and this kind of thing. So when you couple all of these things together, here we are in, in late 2019, and I do consider what I'm putting out there, my work to be the best in this scene. No exception. No peer, no exception whatsoever. But more than that, what I've managed to do over the last few years is attract people from a whole bunch of different websites. So I mentioned Fakeologist before. I've attracted several members of that website, or several contributors to that website. They've now come across to my website. Some of them still do post at Fakeologist. Some of them don't. They've kind of just left it behind. Now they post at my website. Same with Peace of Mindful. I post here regularly. Let me make that one a bit larger for you. There you go. Very interesting blog. If you haven't seen it before, I recommend you go and check it out. They talk about a whole bunch of things. Sociology, the way the world is today, science, science fakery to an extent, media fakery to an extent. Interesting place. Go and check it out. Well, the whole... The whole I, mean, I can't put an exact figure on it, but it could be anywhere from from six to a dozen people from that website have come across to my website now. So you've got some of the brightest minds of fakeologist, peace of mindful, various other places within the, the broader act realm, conspiracy Reddit. I post there regularly. Several members who've joined the website recently told me they came from Reddit conspiracy. So a whole bunch of people from different areas in the act realm have now come to my website. And so it's at the point now where it's like, even if people didn't like my research or my style or some of my opinions, that's not a big deal because look at all these other people there are. And so the conversations are about much more than me now. There are people now starting their own conversations. They're sending things to me to publish. So I'm now publishing other people's work on my website. In fact, there's about 35 pieces now. This is one of them. Let's take a look at that one. I've got a whole section now for member creation. So this is members of the site posting their work on all kinds of topics. So this latest one, Madden All by Al, this one is about the Mandela effect. 
And we've had, I think, three or four submissions now from members on the Mandela Effect. It's a topic that's very, very popular, even on my website, even though I don't, I don't really talk about it. Uh, it's not one of my topics that I am particularly interested in, but a lot of the members of the site are. So you can see there, 20 comments. And, and this was only posted five days ago. There's already 20 comments, and who knows how many more comments will be on that. And that's the fourth submission that we've had on, on Mandela Effect. And so there's at least one of those four submissions was from somebody who I think is skeptical of Mandela in much the same Mandela Effect in, in much the same way that I am. One of the submissions was from somebody who at the time seemed to think Mandela Effect was, was real, for, for want of a better term. And then since then, maybe there's been one or two other submissions that are more not necessarily one way or the other, just sort of looking at it circumspect or from afar. And then, of course, each time one of these uh, posts is submitted, then you get all the comments that follow. And there's people on the website, like I kind of suggested, that fully believe Mandela Effect is a real thing and, and it's affected their lives through two... And it's a big deal in their lives as well. The same way that the history hoax is huge for me, it's changed everything for me, Mandela Effect is huge for them. Through to people on the website who think Mandela Effect is a, a psyop or just a distraction or a, it's a manifestation of poor memory or too much media or whatever the case might be. And a whole bunch of people in between. And so if you can imagine what would happen if you took some of the more thoughtful, circumspect, you know, not I'm going to tell you how it is, just let's, let's look at the evidence and, and have a conversation. Take those kind of people from all these different areas of the internet and put them together and what kind of result do you get? Well, you get johnthebond.com. That's what we've got now. And uh, a long-term member, someone who's been there for a couple of years, sent me an email recently saying that in this particular person's opinion, the, the audience that's there or the membership that's there is actually more significant than my research. And they said it as a compliment. They were like, for all the research that you've done and, and this kind of thing, it's the minds that you've attracted that have made the website what it is. It's, it's a bigger achievement. And I took that as a compliment because that's a pretty cool thing for me, this idea that there are members of the website who might not agree with me about the war hoax. They might not agree about the history hoax or certain elements thereof, or they might not agree about dinosaurs being a hoax or any of these things. And yet they're still members of the website. They enjoy being there. Why? Because they just like being around other thoughtful, intelligent people. Where there's no, none of this infighting and pol like the politics, you know, the, I don't mean politics as in Democrats, Republicans, I mean as in, you know, I want to be in with this guy and, and, and we're rivals with that faction. There's none of this nonsense. None of it. Like, what's the need for it? What's the point of it? You know, I can see that for humans, this is ne almost necessary. It's important. You know, humans are always clamoring for like rankings within the hierarchy, right? I get it. <clears throat> like um, corporate office jobs, you know, people, you know, there's factions within offices, even within football clubs, there's factions. You know, there's this group's in with this group and yeah, it's, it's a natural part of the human, you know, experience is for people to form hierarchies of their own, social hierarchies and, and cliques and factions and this kind of thing. I get it. I understand it. Whether I like it or not, that's reality for humans. Sweet. However, if you're trying to have an intellectual conversation with someone, then there's no need for any of that, is there? 
you're trying to be in intellectual conversation with a whole bunch of people. There's no need for that. You might occasionally need a moderator. So if you're having a two or three hour conversation, some of the say, all right, guys, we've been stuck on that. Let's move on. Here's a topic this week, that kind of thing. So I'm happy to play the role of the moderator on the website and let other people play that role as well. I've said, if you want to host your own member call on the website, go for it. But people seem to be quite happy for the most part to to let me moderate the calls. So we just choose a topic and then, hey, let's have a chat. And yeah, there's no there's no politicking, if that's a word. There's no there's no nonsense, basically, right? And I guess what I'm trying to convey to you now, to those of you who aren't currently members of the website, is whatever it is that you think you've been searching for in this act realm, the, the truth, I can't offer you that. I don't think any honest person can say, right, here's... I'm going to tell you exactly what's going on in the world. But I don't think that's the only thing people are looking for in this realm. I think what they're also looking for is just this idea of, can I find other people who I can just have a conversation with, who I can feel some kind of uh, sense of uh, familiarity with, you know what I mean? Like a, a sense of level, like a level pegging in conversation where it's like, I'm not trying to convince you that Donald Trump's evil and you're not trying to convince me that he's better than Hillary. I'm not trying to convince you that the earth is a shape and you're not trying to convince me it's actually some other shape and I'm not trying to convince you that the government's spying on us and you're not trying to none of this it's my job to convince you just well what what is your opinion and what's your evidence how long have you believed that oh that's interesting oh really where'd you hear that I want to double check that oh wow I didn't know that and then and then because of what you told me I went and found this other thing and did you know that oh you didn't I see you have got collaboration going on I think not everybody in this room but a lot of people this is what they were looking for and this is what they thought they, this is what they thought was going on, that, that this realm, this alternative conspiracy truth realm was full of people who were trying to collaborate and to learn and to grow and to develop as individuals and as a group. That's what they thought they were getting into. That's what I thought I was getting into originally. But no, that's, for the most part, that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It's humans really suck at, at collaboration for the most part. And so to bring the folks back to my website, well, there is collaboration going on. I think out of these 20 comments... I don't even know if a single comment is mine. I don't want to scroll down now because obviously we're live streaming this and this particular piece is a member-only piece. Most of the member creations are only for the other members. If uh, if Al sent me an email right now saying, no, that's cool, man, share it with the public, I'd happily go through it with you right now. But um, they're all they're all sort of published as a default members-only piece. And I think by doing that, it encourages more people who might otherwise keep their thoughts themselves. If they're like, oh, well, so they go on to the other members of the, of the website. They're more, they feel more free to, to put this out there. Because they see people like me, I put my work out there and look how I get attacked by all these random losers on the internet, right? Who wants to do that? Who wants to get attacked by random losers? You know, not these people who want to have a discussion, have a conversation, just not, this guy's got an opinion on the like, so I'm going to attack him. Who wants to, who wants to go through that? Most people don't want to put themselves through that, obviously. So on my website, it's like, well, I can publish your pieces for you and the only people who'll see them will be members of the website. And since I started doing this, like, I don't know, maybe the start of the year, maybe February, March, I'm not sure. Since then, we've had, yeah, like 3 dozen of these pieces that have been submitted, mostly written, mostly written format, anywhere from 1,000 to to 3,000 words, I guess, on average. And yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why people are happy to submit these pieces and have them published is because they know the only people who'll see them are the other members of the website, all of these people, people who don't just care about this enough to pay attention, but to help support it. 
You know, even just a few dollars a month is enough to be a MOOC member, which gets you access to all of this kind of stuff. It's like if someone won't even chip in that amount to, to help this kind of thing, they probably don't really care that much. If they've got no real care for it, then basically if they disagree with you, they'll just start attacking you. Humans being the, most humans being the emotional creatures that they are. So let me check the, the live stream comments, shall I? I'm assuming this has all been coming through clear. I really should have checked at the start. Just bear with me for a second. In the live chat, we've got Brian Stavely's in the live chat. It's, uh, Brian Stavely is uh, one of the main promoters, as I understand it, of Mandela Effect. As I've already intimated earlier in this presentation, I'm not a, a Mandela believer myself, necessarily. But uh, the good thing about Brian Stavely is Years and years ago, before I was even in the scene, he was explaining to people, 9-11, it wasn't an inside job. It was a made-for-TV movie. Those might not be his words, but that was what he was getting at. This idea of... So we're going to question Osama bin Laden. We're going to question George Bush. We're going to question how the towers came down. But we're not going to question that there were 3,000 people in them. What's up with that? That's crazy. Well, that's, that's completely crazy. Where's all... Where's the footage of all the people running out of the towers? Think about it. There's two towers. One gets hit by a plane. Where's the footage of everyone scattering like ants out of the towers? There isn't any. You can find footage of people running already a large distance from the towers and you see the smoke catching up with them. Okay, great. But where's the footage of everyone scrambling out of the towers? It doesn't exist because the towers weren't full of people, because they weren't real office towers, the way that we've been told. They were made-for-TV movie props built decades ahead of time, planned decades prior to that. This was all one elaborate occult ritual and not a blood sacrifice. No blood was spilt. Nobody died, nobody got hurt, period. What? You can't say that. Well, I'm saying it. I'm saying it right now. John Bond coming to you live from Hanoi. Very nice. Waterman Chris from Florida is in the live chat. Mumbly Sons is in the live chat. Some fellow called Anti Zog Sci Fry says, glad to catch you live. For what it's worth, I'd say none of us are as smart as we think we are. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. What if I don't think I'm that smart? Like, what if what if my honest assessment of myself is actually pretty accurate? That's, poss that's possible, isn't it? Hopefully. Bankers need wars, slavery, uh, no, war is a hoax. Bankers don't need wars, wars are a hoax, period. Honor L, who I'm not familiar with, so forgive me, says, what is war? I think he's suggesting that anti-Zog guy just mentioned that war is a hoax. Mikey says, I love and support what you do. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, I've been doing this, like I said, for five years. So it's, it's been quite a journey. You know, I started this when I was 20. I mean, in the year 2013, I would have turned 26 that year. You know, so mid-20s. And you know, by that, by that stage, I already led a little bit of a life. But, you know... You're still, you're still so young at 26. I mean, 32 is still fairly young as well in some respects, but it's not, 
not the same as being in your mid-twenties, is it? So, sitting here now at 32, looking back, it's like, man, that was, that was a crazy way to spend the second half of my twenties, wasn't it? Doing all of this. And then, of course, the first couple years of my thirties, uh, crazy stuff, man. Crazy stuff, yeah, it's, it's full on. It's, I think about this probably every day for a large period, like, man, what have I done? Like, what have I done with, what have I done with my life? What am I doing next? You know, what comes next? I'm sure there's still more things for me to learn, you know, the, the research never stops, the deprogramming never stops, as far as I can tell, but in terms of what I do, in terms of what I do with my life now with all this knowledge, I mean, that's that's the question, isn't it? That's the question. So it's it's cool to think that there are people out there who appreciate it. It really is. It makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. So uh, thank you, Mikey, for that. In the live chat, Michael Hitskis, apologies for the pronunciation, says... Are you Mandela affected at all? I don't think so. I do not think so. No. However, the you know the, the JFK um, assassination, which was a hoax, of course, nobody died, nobody got hurt. If you'd said to me a few months ago, how many people were in the car when that happened, I would have said, quite honestly and innocently, four. I would have said four. But I'm pretty sure the story is that there's six. It was like a six-person car, I think, is a story. Now, some people will come to you and they'll tell you that's an example of Mandela Effect. They'll be like, oh, it used to be four, and then they changed it, you know, which is possible. Anything's possible. We live in a crazy world, right? But that's not my first reaction. My first reaction isn't, oh, well, I would have thought it was four, and I would have told you it was four, but it turns out it was six. Like, my first reaction isn't, oh, they changed it. My, my reaction is, oh, okay, I guess I misremembered. Now, if you're a full-on Mandela effect believer, you can say, ah, see, you're, you're denying Mandela. Okay, fair enough, I can see that perspective. Can you see the perspective that maybe we do misremember things? Like, sometimes we do misremember things. That does happen. And how many people were in that car? Why would I trust my brain to remember that detail so well? You know what I mean? If it was something more personal, like say, certain uh, events in my life that I remember very well, or certain years or certain things, if any of those suddenly changed, that would really trip me out. Like, for instance, the example I use is this computer. This is an Acer Aspire V17 Nitro. And I bought this before I knew about the significance of 17, the, the esoteric significance of this number, the number of initiation. The fact it was 17 just fits so well into my overall life narrative, but that's a different topic. The point is, this is an Acer Aspire. Now, if I woke up tomorrow and I was like, oh, what day is it? Oh, it's Thursday. Oh, I've got to go and do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. And then I went to my computer and it was, say, uh, an Asus, an Asus, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, Asus, hold on a second. Hold on a second now. Wasn't this an Acer? Do you know what I mean? And I'd probably think about it for a moment. And I, if, if I realized, hold on, no, this was an Acer, now it's an Asus, I'd be like, like, what did I do last night? Did I go drinking? Did I do other things that, that mess my brain? No, didn't do any of that. Did I have a weird dream where I dreamt it was an Acer? No, it was definitely an Acer, man. Definitely an Acer. You've always liked Acer. It's always been a good brand. That's why you got this. Um, always been a good brand, is in for me. I'm not saying it's great. For you, I'm just saying, for me, it's always been good. I'd be like, no, there's something very fishy here, man. That would trip me out. That would really trip me out if that happened. Something like that, right? 
Because I work on this thing every freaking day. You know, I'm, I'm barely away from this thing for more than a day at a time. Whereas Kennedy in the car, why the hell do I remember how many people in the car? I mean, just having six people in the car is weird. I mean, I think that's what makes that one so weird. It's like, why the hell would they have six? Wouldn't I remember something like that? And it's like, well, maybe you would, but maybe when you saw the footage, you know this is a president. So it's not weird to you that it's a different kind of car. Of course, he's a president. Why wouldn't they have more people in the car? You know, it's, it's a special car because he's a special man, you know. So, uh, so yeah, so to answer your question, I don't think I'm Mandela affected. I don't think so. But maybe I am and I just don't realise it. That's also possible. Also possible. Let's have a look. Honor L says, yes, we've not met. Interesting material here. There aren't many like you. Well, thank you very much for saying so. Yeah, there's not... The, the fact of the matter, and I know that I come across as very arrogant sometimes, and, and sometimes that's me playing up the persona. Sometimes that's me trying to troll people or trigger people. Sometimes that's me being a bit boisterous or whatever. But when it's all said and done, I'm actually a very humble person. You have to be to do what I'm doing. You have to be humble because you're constantly being humbled. You're constantly realizing the things that you thought you knew, you didn't know, right? From the TV telling you stories about shootings through to the next level. The TV telling you stories about who brought down the towers through to the next level. The TV or school telling you about what happened in World War II and who was victimized and these kinds of things. And then the shape of the earth or the existence of outer space or dinosaurs, all these things constantly being humbled. You thought you knew something. I thought I knew something. I thought I was so smart. I did very well in high school. I went to university, got a scholarship to a university, to a decent university. Thought I was such a smart person. Always likes to read the news and the alternative news and come up with my own synthesis of the news, right? Thinking that that was so different, the mainstream and the alternative. And and then, and then the last five years has just been so humbling, just bang, bang. You think you're so smart. No, we've all been brainwashed, man. We've been completely indoctrinated into complete and utter nonsense. And so you have to be humble to do what I'm doing. And so as I was explaining earlier in this call, the, the process that I've been through and the fact that I've had to put so much time and effort into this over the last couple of years to build up the website, uh, yeah, there's no one doing what I'm doing. You know, there isn't. For better or for worse, you know, you can... You can think this is a bad thing, like, oh, I wish there was more people doing what I'm doing and and I wish more people knew about this and was trying to build their own online communities where people can just go and chat and not get attacked and all this kind of crap. I wish there were people doing what I'm doing. But then I think, yeah, but it's a good thing for me that there's not anyone doing what I'm doing because it means now I capture the whole market now. All the people out there who know about the media fakery, the science fakery, the war fakery, the history fakery, or any of these things... Where can they go? Where can they go to meet other intelligent, open-minded, thoughtful, reasonable, calm, considerate, friendly people? Where can they go? There's nowhere. There's nowhere but my place. So it's like, on the one hand, yeah, I wish there were more people doing this. And if anybody ever asked me for for my thoughts on, on all of this or the steps that I took, the things I got right and got wrong and sort of how can they improve on, on the path that I've been on, I'd happily help them. Happily. Don't want to get in anybody's way. I'm more than happy to help. But at the same time, the fact that no one's willing to put in the time or the effort or make the sacrifices to do this, it's a huge advantage for me, man, because look what I can do now. Look what I can do. I'm traveling, you know, I'm traveling all over, all over Asia at the moment and hopefully in the future, South America, maybe even North America, Eastern Europe as well. 
I guess do all of this and and my what I do to fund it is to to run a, the kind of website that I wish more there were more of you know and I get to do my own research and present that to people and they won't always agree with the research but they'll at least check it out you know and if you're someone who has ideas that you want to share that's all you want is people just to engage with it you don't want people necessarily to agree with it or to think that it's fantastic you just want people to at least inspect it consider it entertain it that's all you want and that's what I've got you know now I'm still in the grand scheme I'm still a complete nobody you know my audience is still minuscule the act realm is, is very tiny and within the act realm I'm in a tiny little corner of that so I haven't got any I'm not under any illusions about sort of who I am or what I'm doing. But if you just look at what I'm doing and what this allows me to do, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And, um, yeah, that, that's how I feel about it. Again, I know a lot of people think I'm very arrogant, blah, 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 but, but realistically, I think if you take a step back and, and consider the full picture, no, you, you can't be arrogant to, to do what I've managed to do over the last five years. You have to be confident in yourself and you have to be willing to defend yourself and even attack those who seek to attack you I mean yeah it takes a certain personality type to do this but I think if you look at how I've done it and what I've managed to succeed in doing along the way yeah um, I don't think arrogance is a fair way to, uh, to describe it overall it's just my opinion and, and it is unique what I'm doing is unique as arrogant as it sounds to say that Mikey says, no problem, quick question. If space isn't what we think it is, what's your take on how GPS and satellites work? Very good question. I wish I brought my, uh, actually I did bring my water. Just give me one second here. Just give me one second. Uh, if you're just joining us late, by the way, it's late. It's 11 p.m. where I'm living right now, in uh, where I'm staying. Here in Hanoi, so I try not to speak too loud. And uh, what that means is that sometimes it'll be hard for you to understand what I'm saying. And uh, sometimes my voice might break up because I'm not putting any volume into it, you know. But that's because I don't want to, don't want to risk uh, pissing anybody off. All of my neighbours are Vietnamese. I'm staying just south of the French Quarter. And what I often do, not always, but often as I'm travelling around this part of Asia, is I stay just outside of the tourist area because it's cheaper. And also because I'm not here to do the tourist things. And, and the further away I can be from the best bars and the best clubs and the most fun, the, the, if I can just put a bit of distance between me and that, it does help me to not overindulge as much, uh, even though I still do overindulge in, in some of the, the hedonism and the fun. Just being a bit further away is it advantageous, and like I said, it's cheaper. And also... I get to see things that other people don't see. I mean, I'm only five minutes from, from where all the tourists are, right? And I'm telling you, there's no, there's no Western people in this, in this entire, um, like apartment block. Like I'm on the fifth level. There's three, three apartments per level and there's three blocks. So what's that? 40 or 50, uh, apartments just in this area. No other Westerners. Now again, five minutes that way. Five minutes, man. There's tourists everywhere. It's like they, it's like tourists or, or Westerners all congregate in one, one area. And if you just go a few minutes further, um, yeah, you see, you see different things. You get to experience different things. And, and I think that's pretty cool. Uh, personally. But what that also means is I just 
try and keep a real low profile, you know what I mean? So these are thick walls. I don't think they can hear me, but why take any chances is, uh, is my attitude about things. So I got a question from Mikey and he said, uh, what's my take on space? All right. Firstly, there's one big problem for people like me when it comes to outer space being a hoax. And that is the International Space Station. Because there is a light in the sky that looks similar to what we're told is the ISS. There is, right? Now, some people say, oh, have you recorded it and documented it? No, I haven't. But I'm telling you it's there, okay? This little light that you can uh, magnify, you can zoom in with a telescope. And it, it looks, you know, you know the, the shape of the ISS? That we're, kind of, we're told it's um, solar panels. Well, there is something in the sky that looks like that. There is. Okay? There is. It's, it's, it's there. Now, does that mean that there's actually a, a, a space station with people on it floating around? No, obviously not. doesn't follow from that. But there is something up there. Now, how can we explain it? We've got the, the lights, like the so-called planets. We've got the sun. We've got the moon. And they're just lights as far as I'm concerned, right? So it is with the ISS. However, the so-called ISS. However, it's unique, right? Like I know Saturn has the rings. Obviously, the sun and the moon are unique. The sun's very hot and it gives us warmth in the moon. I mean, all, all of the lights are unique in their own way, I suppose. But the ISS in particular... I just think it's problematic because the shape does fit in with what we're told is the ISS. Now, what year was the ISS launched? I'm not sure. Is it possible that that light was already there before we were told the ISS was launched? And now the ISS story is just a cover, basically, to, um, to put us off the scent of the space fakery. Is that possible? Sure. I think so. But then people will say, oh, but... If, if that light was already there, how come it wasn't documented before? You know, if, if that light's always been there, the same as the other lights, how come we don't have documentation of that? How come no one noticed it before? That's a fair question, actually. But if people did notice it, what were they going to say? What were they going to tell? There's not much documentation for anything in this world, really, once you start digging down. So, see, I'm open-minded to the idea that that light was there before the ISS was launched. But I'm also open-minded to the idea that, no, that light came about at the same time. Now, if that's the case, we've got big problems, or I've got big problems anyway, with, with the space hoax, because people are going to default to, well, there must be space, because how else could that light be there? And I, I have no explanation for you, I can't tell you how. If, if that light came about when the ISS was launched, and that light wasn't there already, if, if that's the case, then I can't tell you how that light got there. Don't know. Don't know. I'm not going to tell you that it's a hologram. How the hell would I know that? I'm not going to tell you that it's a, a giant, super-fast-moving balloon or some other technology. How the hell do I know that? I don't know what it is. All I do know is that this place where supposedly you can go and just float around forever, some actual physical place, I've got no evidence that that exists, okay? I've got no evidence that the lights in the sky are solid physical objects. The same goes for the ISS. But I hope that I've conveyed to you in the last three or four minutes that the ISS is like the one big problem with, with the outer space hoax. And that's why I understand a lot of people will default back to, you know, space must be real. You know, I, I do understand that. I can understand people's mindsets uh, when it comes to that. In terms of what I think is out there, nothing. I don't think anything's out there. They're just lights. The sun and the moon and the so-called planets, they're just like time pieces. 
they follow patterns, predictable patterns. That's all they are to me. They're just, they're just light, right? In, in the case of the sun, very powerful light. It gives us warmth, yeah? But uh, they're just lights in the sky. They're not solid physical objects. There's nothing out there. They're just lights in the sky, as far as I'm concerned. And if somebody's new to my channel, they're going to say, well, that's completely crazy, man. That's bonkers. You know, how can you say that? And, and my response is, well, I'm just looking at this empirically. My senses, right? Sight, sound, touch, taste, and uh, smell. Yeah? Those five, those are your five main senses, I suppose. Well, the lights that we see in the sky, we can only assess as light. That's all. That's all. That's all we can assess them as. That's not to say that they're only light. They, they could, in theory, they could be actual physical places creating that light. Why not? That's possible. But I've got no evidence that's the case. So why would I believe that? Especially when belief in that entails belief in so many other things that I simply cannot test, cannot prove, cannot verify. Why would I go along believing that? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. So yes, I hope that answers the question. What's out there? Nothing. There's nothing out there. It's like saying, what's in Atlantis? Well, nothing's in Atlantis. It's not real. Same with outer space. Just forgive me as I adjust my legs here. I've been sitting cross-legged. Had like my hat, by the way. Bought it here, obviously. Vietnam, what a great place. What a crazy country, man. You know, I never actually intended to come here. Like, I thought I might end up here, maybe. But the main intention was, uh, was Thailand and then Malaysia. And Malaysia turned out to be way cooler than I expected. And really long story short, I think I've explained this before, but to get into one country, you often need to buy your next ticket to the next country. So they won't let you into one country unless you've already bought your ticket out. And so what people like me will sometimes do is just buy a throwaway ticket, like a, a cheap $30, $40 ticket to another country that we may or may not use, right? Because we're buying it so far ahead, it's cheap. And it lets us get into the country that we want to go to. And that's what I did with, uh, with Vietnam. I was like, I wanted to go into Malaysia, but for them to let me in, I had to have a ticket to somewhere else. So I just bought a throwaway ticket to Vietnam. It was like a cheap sale from uh, Kuala Lumpur to Saigon. So I just bought that ticket, no expectation that I'd use it. And then, yeah, as, as the day got closer, I was like, stuff it, I'll just go to Saigon. What's the worst that can happen? And, uh, and I loved it. I loved it. It was great for a whole bunch of reasons. So I stayed there for three months. Then I went back to Thailand for a month. And then came back here to, to Vietnam, now in Hanoi. And Saigon and, and Hanoi are on opposite ends of, of the country. They're uh, more than a thousand miles apart, I think. And they're quite different. Saigon's very westernized. And I'm not sure how else to describe it, but it's, it's, not, it's not the same as Hanoi. Hanoi is, is said to be more traditional, more like authentic uh, Vietnam. I don't know about that, but they are different. They're different places for sure. No question about that. But, uh, anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, space. Yeah, look. Is it possible that there's some wondrous, magical place out there and we're on an Earth spinning around and there's space out there? And like To me, it's like, is that possible? Sure, man, anything's possible. We live in a crazy, crazy reality, don't we? But uh, I just don't. I personally don't believe any of that at all anymore. I used to, but I don't. So that answers your question. All right, who's next? What, uh, what question have we got next? Uh, 
Honorel seems to be mocking my pronunciation of the computer brand spelled A-S-U-S. How do you pronounce that? You tell me. I pronounce it Azus. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I often mispronounce words, often, oftentimes, because I do so much reading. That's where I hear things. A lot of people, they do all of their learning through watching TV or watching YouTube. Most of my reading is through, most of my learning is through reading, right? So, so my pronunciation is often uh, incorrect, often. I used, to, I used to pronounce Pontius Pilate, you know, Pontius Pilate, the, the character from, uh, from the Bible and, and ancient history. The hoax character, obviously. I used to pronounce that Pontius Pilate, right? <laughs> people must have thought I was like, uh, joking around or something. No, I just didn't know how to pronounce his freaking name. Once someone pointed it out to me that it was Pontius Pilate, I was like, alright, Pontius Pilate. You know? No problems. Same with Zeus. If it's not pronounced that way, you tell me how is it pronounced, okay? I pronounce it Zeus. Who's next? Uh, Wardman Chris says, most of the Mandela effect are regarding things we experience through the monolith audio video screens. Exactly. Wardman Chris gets it. A lot of these Mandela Effect examples that you'll see people giving, such as, I mean, let me go, let me, hold on, let me fix my legs up again. Get another 15 minutes cross-legged. You know, when I was younger, I couldn't sit like this. Like, I've, I've really improved my uh, flexibility from a couple of years of, uh, yeah, stretching and then trying to improve my body. So, this chair's not the best for posture, but, oh well, you do your best. Now, where was I? Oh, yeah, let's go and check this out. So, this... Let's take a look at this image. Let's zoom right in. There you go. So there you've got... Um, what's that dude's name? I've never seen... Look, I don't know if I've ever seen a James Bond film, but I definitely haven't seen this one. But I think this one's called Moonraker. That that girl's name is Dolly. I forget this dude's name. He's a huge dude, though. Apparently they're, like, romantic in the film. Which, I don't know, seems... Look, I'm going to judge romances. I mean, it's a fictional romance, but sort of just using it as a thought experiment. If I met a real-life Bigfoot like this dude, dating this tiny little girl like her, I'd be like, well, maybe that makes him happy. You know? This, this is something I'd, I really got better at when I was in uh, Bangkok recently, right? Just just learning to... What do they call it there? My pen right. Just whatever happens, happens... Just don't worry about things. If, if it's not, if it's not, if it's, if it's not your problem now, don't make it your problem now. Just go with the flow, man. Uh, that was probably one of the best things I got from my month in Bangkok. Was just, man, those people want to do that. Is it bothering you? No. Or is it bothering you? It is bothering you. Why? Does it affect you? No. What do you care? Just enjoy life, man. You know. And I've still got a long way to go. On, on, on that philosophy but I do feel like I'm getting better and yeah I mean if I met this couple in real life <coughs> this big freaking huge dude with a hand that's bigger than the head of his girlfriend <laughs> okay whatever but uh, it does seem strange to me that would be in a film though anyway yeah apparently there's a rom- uh, romantic couple and apparently and I'm sure you guys all know this better than me because this is a topic I haven't really looked at properly is um in the film, she does not have braces, but a lot of people remember her having braces, right? And actually, I can, I can bring up more images from the website. Um, let me think. Let me think, let me think. Here we go. 
So, so what happened was Al produced this piece on Mandela in history. And basically, because Al has also done work on the history hoax. The history hoax is one of my main topics. Basically, in all of conspiracy culture, nobody's done more to reveal the history hoax than myself. People will come back and say, oh, what about Fomenko? Fomenko doesn't talk about the history hoax. He just talks about a different timeline, right? He's a new chronology. It's, it's, um, he's the new boss, same as the old boss. It's bullshit, mate. In terms of revealing, no, it's all fake. Me, me, and members of my website, including Al. So he has also done work on the history hoax, right? He is fully up to speed with it. And when he produced this piece, what he was suggesting was that the Mandela effect that we see is related to the history hoax in the sense that the history that we've got might be fake or it might not go back very far. Everyone thinks it goes back thousands of years and it only goes back a couple of hundred years if you check the sources. But maybe Mandela's related to that was what he was putting forward. And uh, it was a pretty cool piece, actually. I personally don't believe in Mandela at all. But just taking his piece in its totality, I thought it was a very well done piece. So there's Dolly, and her, her mouth is uh, closed there, as you can see. But apparently in the film, she doesn't have braces, but people remember her having braces, right? And then Apoch Shaker, who is another member of the website, and the recent addition to our super agency, actually, the only person to be admitted into the super agency in the past, I think in this calendar year, actually, I think everybody else was inducted before then, but he's the first one to join in 20. 19, if I'm not mistaken. And I should know that, really, shouldn't I? But anyway, he, he submitted this piece in response. So this was July 24. So about a week later, he, he basically replied to Al's piece with his own uh, member creation, his own essay, if you like. And what he was putting forward in his piece was this idea that there's another explanation for what people call Mandela effect. There's another explanation for it. I thought that was a good piece as well. And so going back to this Dolly question, yeah, there she is, no braces, but apparently, supposedly, she's meant to have braces. And uh, this is an example of a Mandela effect that is from movies. Now, if you look at all these other Mandela effect examples, like the Berenstain Bears, right? The, the, the Berenstain Bears are supposedly books were changing, right? So maybe that's not the best example for a monolith. Uh, example. I'm trying to rack my brain here for... Unless it was a TV show as well, The Berenstain Bears, I'm not sure. But it was a book as well, so let's put that one aside. That's not the best example. What are these Mandela effects that people are trying to come up with? Okay, the JFK assassination. There's a, there's a Pruder film that I mentioned earlier. Uh, people will say, oh, it used to only have four people, now it has six. It's like, well, you mean the footage that you saw only had four people, right? The footage. You weren't actually there with your own eyes to see it, so it's it's the movie representation, it's the TV representation that's changed, right? And so there's a lot of these Mandela Effect examples. Another one is uh, Publishers Clearinghouse. Apparently there used to be these advertisements where you could, I don't know, win money through the mail or something. I don't know. But apparently it used to be Publishers Clearinghouse. Then it was some other similarly named company or whatever. Again, people are seeing this all on TV. So there's a lot of these Mandela Effect examples that... If they all come from TV or from movies, it makes you think, is this a manifestation of timelines changing? Maybe. Or is this a manifestation of people's minds being heavily affected by television and film? Yeah? 
watching 30 frames a second, 60 frames a second flickering in your eye, minute after minute, hour after hour, day after day, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of flashing images into your head, which everybody knows is not natural in the loose sense of the term natural. That's not a natural thing. What, what effect is it having on people? Especially when people are sitting there sort of zonked out of their brains. What's that doing to your mind? Is it possible that some of these rememberings of something different in the past, they're actually examples of, of your mind's memory not working the way that you think it should? Possibly even because it's been so heavily affected by all these images that have been beamed into it. There's no way your mind can remember all of that stuff. No way. You know, a lot of people struggle to remember what they ate for breakfast, you know. A lot of people struggle to remember what they were doing three weeks ago. A lot of people struggle to remember who was at their birthday party last year. Oh, who was there? I can't remember, you know. And, and those are real things. You really ate breakfast. You really were at work three weeks ago. You really had a birthday party last year. You can't remember that stuff. How the hell are you going to remember all of these millions, millions of images that have been into your, into your head? No, good luck, I say. Good luck with that. Barry Atkins says, ha ha, he's stoned as. Uh, Barry, I wish I were. Uh, I do, really, I wish that I were, but uh, I try my best to avoid those uh, illicit substances when I'm in foreign countries. The, the so-called legal system in my country, I'm happy to deal with them if anything goes awry, but when you're in foreign countries, it, it's sensible to minimize any potential risks of that nature. So I don't have any substances in this apartment, okay? Not even a fraction of a gram of anything. Nothing in this apartment. And I can assure you I did nothing early today as well. So you probably think, oh, he's stones because he's wearing the, the sunnies. That's a fair enough inference to make, but uh, it's not the case. Honor L says in regards to the that light in the sky I mentioned earlier that we call the ISS, he says it's a solar plane with lights that would appear to be at the said distance of the ISS. Yeah, it would appear to be. I don't know so much about the distance, but certainly the pattern it's following, that is, that's what it tells the ISS is doing. Right? So again, I had to explain that. I can't give a comprehensive explanation. So if someone says to me, oh, well, then I'm going to keep living in space. I'm like, all right, fair enough. Keep living in space. Makes no difference to me. Uh, Han Mack says, do you believe Rollo drinks a lot? So let's give some context to that. Where is Rollo? Rollo is uh, a long-term contributor to fakeologist.com. And I used to have him on the show, the Sunday sessions. Um, years ago, I used to do this show on a Sunday evening Australia time where... Myself and a whole bunch of people would sit around in a Google Hangout. So this was before OBS, before any of these software systems. I'm using OBS right now to stream this. Before any of that was popular, you would just use Google Hangouts. And I think had a limit of 10 or 12 people. And so we'd all get together and, and drink and just talk shit about conspiracies, basically. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun back in the day. And I used to have a really kick-ass apartment that was perfect for it perfect for it to, to host that show and I'd even have people live with me I'd have one or two people who'd be with me actually in my apartment and then we'd have other people join us in the Google Hangout and it was a lot of fun and uh, Rollo we used to have him on the show every now and then and he'd always come on and, and make a clown of himself but he seemed harmless he seemed friendly and 
he was actually in Bangkok when I was in Bangkok a few weeks ago. I was in Bangkok at the time and I heard that he was in Bangkok and he's obviously Australian. I should explain to listeners who aren't familiar. He's Australian as well. He's not from the same part of Australia as me. So we've never met in real life. And he's been telling me for years, oh, I want to meet you in real life and buy your beer, blah, blah, blah. All right. So he was in Bangkok and I was in Bangkok. So I sent him a message on Discord because he, he's constantly sending me messages on Discord. Hey, Jono, come and join us because he does another podcast now. He's like, come and join us, come and join us. And I'm flattered. I'm flattered that they want to invite me. That's great. A lot of the time I can't because I'm not at my computer at the time or, or whatever. So I've only been on this show a few times. But um, he's constantly saying, come on the show, Jay, you know, Jono, we love you, blah, 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 right? All well and good. So now he's in Bangkok, is he? Well, I'm in Bangkok, man. And Bangkok's a great city to meet up for a couple of years. It's, uh, it's, they've got these um, rooftop bars that, yes, they're upmarket, but they're still pretty reasonable for price compared to drinking in Australia, that's for sure. And you get these awesome views of the city. And the clientele who go to these places are usually usually pretty decent clientele as well. So it's a cool thing to do. So I'm like, hey, man, let's catch up, get a beer. And I never heard from him. Never got back to me. Old Rollo. So I didn't get to see for myself if he's really as drunk in the flesh as he presents himself on uh, on the camera or on, on, uh, on the podcasts or whatever. But I know one or two people who know Rollo pretty well in real life, and they assure me, yeah, he, he really is that drunk. He's uh, an absolute, an absolute uh, fiend for the for the alcohol is what they tell me. So I don't know. To answer your question, I, I would have loved to have seen it for my own eyes, have a beer with the guy and, and see him, see how he actually behaves. But uh, but I don't haven't seen haven't seen it, so I don't know for sure, but. I do believe he's played it up before in the past. Like, I do believe there's been instances where he's, he's pretended he was drunker or more high as a kite than he really was. I've got evidence. I've got reasons to say that. But I also think maybe he just sometimes is as, as drunk as he presents himself. Which, if he is, you know, fair enough. Uh, might Ben right, you know. Live and let live. As long as they're not harming you, what do you care, you know? So let's get back to the uh, to the questions then. Barry Atkins says, how do you work out that the hundreds of Greek temples all over the world were fake? So he's asking this question in reference to the history hoax. I'm not saying they're fake. If, if you've seen them, or if other people have seen them and taken photos, then they're real, no problem. The question is, when were they built? That's the question. And why on earth would you believe they're thousands of years old? Why would you believe such a thing? Only because that's what your authorities have indoctrinated you with since you were a little boy. That's the only reason why. Not because you've got any primary source evidence for it. Not because you've ever traced the sources for the stories. Not because you've ever got a textbook about these ancient structures and searched for their sources at the back of the book. What are their references? What are their citations? And then track down those books and trace the sources back to the original person who said, this building was opened here on blah, 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 BC. You've never done that. You're never going to do that. Okay, And you know you're never going to do that. No one's ever going to do that apart from me and the members of my website. No one else checks any of this stuff. And you know that. So if you want to keep believing that these buildings are thousands of years old, by all means, go for it. I'm not saying that they don't exist. The question is, how old are they? That's the question. Honor L says, everybody talking about Rollo. Well, hopefully the, the context I just gave you explains who he is. 
Honor says that he wasn't mocking the way I say Zeus. Ah, oh, cool. I mean, if you are, that's cool too. You're welcome to mock my pronunciation in the live chat. As I explained, oftentimes it is quite poor. Jerry Gergich says that his daughter saw Joker in Florida and noticed inappropriate laughing. I'd told her about your experience, putting it down to cultural differences, but maybe that wasn't the cause. So what Jerry just said was in reference to my review of Joker. I saw Joker, the date was released in Bangkok, which was before, slightly before it was released in America, as far as I'm aware. And so I tried, sometimes what I do as a YouTuber is I try to get ahead of the trends. So I thought, hey, this is an opportunity for me to get my review out there before most other people can. So I went along and saw it, the premiere uh, at the cinemas near me when I was staying in Bangkok. And I came home and recorded a, a review straight away. And I mentioned in the review that... So, like, when you're in a different culture, a different place, you don't know... How are you supposed to learn in the space of a few weeks all of the cultural differences? That's crazy. So what I do is I just go along and I just accept things for what they are. And so I noticed early in the film, no one was laughing at anything. And there were several scenes that I thought were rather comical. And I was the only one that was showing any signs of finding it amusing, right? And then that just made it even more amusing to me. So I was like the one guy trying not to... Like, I want to keep a low profile. But I was like laughing along and everyone was just dead quiet. I'm like, oh, maybe the ties are a bit like the, the Japanese are supposed to be. I've heard the Japanese don't make music at concerts, for instance. They go to live music concerts and they're very quiet. Is what I've heard. I don't know if that's true. So I was like, maybe that's what the ties do at cinemas. They just don't laugh because this is some funny shit here, right? And so I just accepted it and stopped thinking about it and tried to focus on the film. And then there's a scene in the film that I didn't think was funny, and they're all laughing. They've been dead quiet for like, I don't know, an hour or more. They've all been ping... You can hear a pin drop quiet when, when actual funny things were happening. And then I'm just sitting there, and then there's a particular scene in the film, which I'm sure many of you have seen by now. And then, bang, they erupt in laughter. Like this is a one-hour... 20 minute joke and they've just got to the punchline right and I'm like what the fuck is going on here and I mentioned that in my review and that's what Jerry is referring to there Honor says that the Joker character is a big theme meme this year damn culture creators well who are the culture creators I mean I've been pushing the clown world meme or concept for several months on my website now in fact let me show you this We'll go back to johnthebond.com. Johnthebond.com. So The Power of Honk, I released. This is a very detailed article. We'll take a look at that. The Art of Honk War, also very detailed. And what else have I done? There's another one. Uh, where is it? Oh, it's too far back in the, in the list for me to show you, but it'll be, it'll be here. There we go. See what it is, right? So I've, I've released a massive... This is actually a video, not an article. This is like a 90-minute video slash podcast where I was using this concept of the the honkler and the clown world and the joker as the basis for a 90-minute presentation. I released this piece called The Clown World and the Honk Pill. Let me say it again, The Clown World and the Honk Pill. That's better. Where I'm explaining what this meme is, where it came from, what it means to different people, why I think it's useful, etc. And then I released, where is it? The Art of Honk War where I was um, basically trying to explain that 
the internet is a very powerful tool. We all know that, but how many of us are using it anywhere near, to anywhere near its capacity for teaching us about what the world really is? And in the same way that Sun Tzu's very short book, Art of War, teaches much more than how to do war, what I was trying to say is that there are places where people want to do war with you, and by studying that, you can learn more about the world in which we live. So there's a video slash podcast and then two detailed written pieces where I've either spoken explicitly about the Hong Clark, Crown World, etc. Or I've used it as a basis for further discussion on related topics. So insofar as there are culture creators, you know, how am I not part of that? And if you've ever used the Clown World meme, how are you not part of that? This idea that there's this group of people at the top and they create the culture and, and they're separate from us. I used to believe that. These days I'm not so sure. That's not to say that there's not a group of people who are more prominent, more powerful in seeding memes than the rest of us. But I think this idea of saying, oh, there's culture creators and seeing ourselves as different from them, it's similar to thinking there's an evil elite or any kind of elite and we're separate to them. We're all part of a system. We're all part of a system. So if you want to, you can seed memes. If I want to, I can seed memes. People who have more social or financial power than you or I have it might be easier for them to see memes. So the point is we all can. We can all create culture if we want. And if you listen to enough of the act realm, the alternative conspiracy truth realm, you'll see that there's different memes that have been seeded by different people that have affected this culture, the subculture of conspiracy. I'm hearing more people now on podcasts that are one or two degrees separated from my own who are using terminology or concepts that I've helped to, to see. And, and this is something that we can all do if we really want to. We can all be culture creators if we want to. I just thought I'd make that point. But if you disagree, feel free to let me know in the comment section below. Uninspired Thought, who is a new member of JohnTheBond.com, says, Hey everyone, Mandela Effect is a PSYOP, very apparent. See, so there are members of John Bond who think that uh, Mandela is a PSYOP. Actually, uninspired thought, can I ask a favor? You're still a new member of JohnTheBond.com. Can you give me an example in the live chat? You've had uh, several weeks now to sort of learn more about the website. What are some of the things where you think you disagree with me? Like, I want to sort of show people that there's many members on the site who disagree with me about a whole ton of things. Or they disagree with other members of the website about a whole ton of things. And it's totally cool. It's not a problem. There's no need to be, um, you know, weaponized, weaponized disagreement. Because we live in a world where increasingly it's like people are being encouraged to focus on their differences and disagreements, and especially in conspiracy subculture, to think that, oh, if this person agrees with me about these things but disagrees about these other things, they're a shill or they're nefarious or they're, they're the problem. You, you agree about all this stuff, but you disagree about that. This is going to be a problem now, right? This is, this is encouraged. This is fostered by, by the act realm, by the conspiracy subculture. And so if you can give me an example, uninspired thought of some of the things that you disagree with, I'll try and go into detail about that now and, and I will see where it goes. There you go. So he says that he thinks people died in 9-11. Let's see. Out of, let's, let's say that if you include all of the, the members on the website at the moment, that there's about 100. I think it's a little bit less than that, but let's just round it up to, to make the numbers easy. Out of 100 people on the website, you're probably going to find that maybe 50, maybe 60 or 70 believe that people died on 9-11. You know, up to and including Dante from New York, who's one of the longest-term members on the website, 
one of the greatest contributors to the website intellectually with his contributions to the member calls and to the comment sections and these kinds of things. So, so one of the people who's really helped the website to be what it is, I'm pretty sure, and I don't want to speak for him, but I'm pretty sure he believes people died on 9-11. Certainly he believes people disappeared, people who he knew disappeared following 9-11, which leads to the fair inference, well, if this is a real person who really existed, and then from 9-11 they no longer existed, and it was reported they died, it's a fair inference for someone to say, well, maybe they died in 9-11. I'm cool with that. And Dante's cool with it when I say nobody died, nobody got hurt, period. Right? We, I don't have to convince him no one died. He doesn't have to convince me someone did die. We can talk about it. It's no problem. You see, that's what I'm trying to explain. So that's a good example. Thank you. Uninspired thought. And yeah, like I don't, I don't have a way to, to gauge everyone's opinions on every topic on my website. So I can't, I can't say now, oh, this number of people believe people died and this number don't. But there's, there's at least a couple dozen who were on the same page as me. Nobody died, nobody got hurt. There'd be at least a couple dozen, I would think, who were like, nah, some people died. It was too much collapse. You know, how can you bring down two towers that big and no one died? You know what I mean? Like, so, so they think someone must have died. And then you've probably got a whole bunch of people in the middle who were like, well, maybe they died, maybe they didn't. You know, who knows? Who knows? Uh, let's see. Honor L says, well, JLB, I think you are sharing some culture, but not making it. Yeah, like on the grand scale, I'm not affecting the, the masses, that's for sure. But within the conspiracy subculture, I think that some of the work that I've done has had an impact. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, but I mean, conspiracy subculture is so small in the grand scale of things. You know, you look at the Western world, we're told that there's how many people in the Western world? The US, 350 million people. Britain, 50 million. Australia, Canada, 30 million each. What is that total? Oh, then you've got Europe. I don't know, a billion people, supposedly, in the Western world. Obviously, I think the numbers are significantly less than that. But we're talking millions and millions and millions and millions of people. The conspiracy subculture is orders of magnitude less than that, okay? So even if I controlled all of conspiracy subculture, that's not affecting the masses. And I don't control all of conspiracy subculture. I'm in a tiny little niche within conspiracy subculture. Media fakery, science fakery, history fakery. Non-go-along-with-orthodox about political correctness, if you like. Man, we're in, we're in a tiny little... We're talking a few hundred people tops, right, really. And I don't even control that niche. I just have a, a large influence on it, right? So no, I don't, I don't, definitely don't create the culture for the masses, definitely. But within my little niche, my little corner of this subculture, yeah, definitely having an impact. And you could too if you wanted to. If you put in the time and the effort and you had worthwhile things to say, you could definitely have an impact. No question about it. Look at the difference Dave Jay's made. Look at Dave Jay, what he's done. Yeah? Even people who hate Dave Jay, he's got ideas into their minds. Yeah? Anna L says, good podcast, I'm at work, better get something done. Hey, I'm, I'm glad you've enjoyed the, the show. Hopefully we'll see you next time. Barry Mansfield says, what is the game plan for Europe? Do you think I'm in England? The 1984 thing is becoming horrible here, but I don't want to leave. Uh, that's a fair question, and hello, Barry Mansfield. Thanks for joining us. Up to 17 people watching live right now. I was meant to say, by the way, one of the reasons I wanted to do this live stream, I wanted to test the technology. I also didn't want to go out tonight. 
and also I'm about to pass 500 subscribers on this channel, which is a bit of a milestone. You know, my first channel got up to 7,000, 7.2,000, I think, which for this corner of the internet is, is pretty... I was very happy about that, you know. And of course that channel got deleted, so I'm starting all over again. And the first couple of hundred are easy because, you know, people are looking for, well, where'd that channel go, you know? But once you, once the people who are, who want to see your work and are thinking about your work on a regular basis, once they've all found your new channel, then it's the, the hard effort of building up the, the subscriber base again. So yeah, to go from the initial couple hundred to, to 500, it's taken a lot of, of work releasing all the videos and uh, posting links to my work at various outlets. So I'm pretty happy about 500. That's that's a nice number. I'm happy with that. Any more than that is a bonus, you know. I'd love to get back to 7,000 and uh, go past the old channel. That'd be great. But whether that happens or not, who knows. But I thought, yeah, 500 subscribers would be nice to celebrate that milestone with a live stream. So to answer Barry Mansfield's question, what's the game plan for Europe? Uh, he's in England. Well... Which part of England do you mean? You've been to London. You've seen what, what's happened there. I was there in 2010, started 2010, so almost a decade ago now. You know, we're, we're three months away from when I was in England a decade ago. And I was programmed, man. I was brainwashed. I was, you know, all the PC nonsense. I bought into all that crap at high school and, and first year uni. But even I, when I got to London, I was like, hold on, this isn't right. This is not how things are meant to be. What the hell's going on here? You know? That was 10 years ago. I understand things have gotten significantly worse since that. So, yeah, you, you see it in London, and it's only a matter of time until it spreads to whatever's north of London. I don't know. Um, is it Birmingham in the middle? And then Liverpool on the west? And then... I mean, I think Essex is a very wealthy area. Maybe they will be safe for a while. And then certain cultures don't like the cold. So maybe as you go further north towards Manchester, they'll be, uh, they'll be safer for longer. But, but yeah, look, you know what's going to happen, man. We all know it's happening. There's a, there's a bunch of people who will try and convince you, oh no, we're going to stop this. We're going to stop this. And it's like, okay, good luck with that, you know, but they're not stopping this, man. They are live action role playing on 4chan poll. They're live action role playing on their various uh, YouTube streams or bit shoot videos or uh, all these kinds of things. But there's no stopping this. And anyone who tells you otherwise, they're lies. They're lying to themselves and or to you. That's how it is. And people can come back to me and go, oh, you're just being defeatist. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, what do you mean defeatist? What the hell are you talking about? Defeated by who? By the truth. I'm telling you the truth, and you know the truth already. You can see it with your own eyes. Then you come to a place like Vietnam, and I'm telling you, five minutes outside of the tourist areas, it's all Vietnamese. It's not African. It's not Chinese, even. It's Vietnamese. It's crazy. I was blown away by Saigon. Same thing there. Even Saigon, the more western major city in Vietnam. Go out of the tourist areas... A few minutes out of the tourist areas. And it's all Vietnamese. It's, it's phenomenal. It's awesome, I think. I think it's great, like, that they have their own, their own country, you know, their own country where they're all the same. You know, they're all, they all speak the same language, they all have the same connection to the country. 
they've, they've all got parents and grandparents who are all from the same country. The social cohesion that comes with that is freaking awesome. It's awesome to see. Sometimes I'll be on a, a grab bike, right? You don't drive, you don't catch cabs here. You just catch a bike. You use your little phone, there's an app. And you just put in where you are, where you want to go. Bike comes and picks you up. You jump on the back of the bike, he takes you where you want to go. Some of them are not very good drivers though, so they'll get lost and they'll just pull up to someone and they'll just be like, Emoy, blah, 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 right? And Emoy just means, uh, excuse me, I want your attention. And they'll ask how to get to some place. Oh, do, 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 do. This is a complete stranger, right? They just pull up to strangers like they're all friends, right? Now, I'm not claiming that all Vietnamese people are friends with each other or that there's some kind of utopia. That's not what I'm claiming. But as an outsider who's been here for, what, four months now, in two of the, the two biggest cities here, I feel as though these people have more social cohesion with each other than we do in our countries. And it's, it's obvious to me why. Okay. I speak to older people. I used to do a podcast called the Australian Roundtable Podcast. And it was myself. Uh, I was 26 at the time, 27. One of the co-hosts was much younger than us, maybe around 20. And one of the co-hosts, there were three of us, he was about 70, okay? Imagine that. And so I got to spend a lot of time with this older gentleman just talking about Australia, talking about his opinions, both on and off the air. We spent so much time together. He was a guy who came with me on the Dino Skeptic Round Trip, uh, Road Trip, brother. The film that I did about dinosaurs, that I recorded about dinosaurs, still in post-production. Haven't uh, released the final film yet. He came with me on that trip, you know? What was that, eight days? of just hanging out with this, this older gentleman. And, and hearing him reflect on how Australia used to be. And he doesn't drink. He quit alcohol when he was like 30. Takes good care of himself. Doesn't watch mindless TV. If you, if you don't abuse your mind with uh, alcohol and drugs and TV and shit food, the mind can stay very sharp until 70. Lindsay's an example of that. So when he's telling me about the past, he's not telling me the, the tabloid version of the past. He's not telling me what he, what he's seen on t- No, he's telling me his memories, his real memories, because they're still there in his head. And I think Australia is to be more socially cohesive as well. And, uh, and, and Western countries, we all know what's happening. We all know, you know, we all know. The problem is all of these charlatans on the internet who are like, no, nah, man, we're going we're gonna to stop this. Just subscribe to my channel, share my videos, give me money. We're going to stop this. And it's like... Yeah, in theory, it could be stopped if, if you had thousands of people who truly cared enough to actually do something. But most people, uh, apathy doesn't even describe it. Cowardice doesn't even describe it, okay? Humans are, are very predictable creatures. And right now, they're all going to go along with the herd. Even the ones who don't agree with what's happening, they're not going to stand up for their values. They're just going to go along with with what's easy, you know, that, and that, that doesn't even make them bad people, it just makes them humans. So what we're seeing now is going to keep uh, progressing, it's going to keep escalating, and yeah, if you're having a, a child now in the United States, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, most of Europe, not the east of Europe yet, but, but Western Europe certainly, well you have to understand that your child will be among the minority whether it's a generation or two, they'll be among the minority. And your grandchildren, if they're born in that country and, and they're also white, then by the time they're adults, there's every chance things will be worse for them 
than they currently are for the white South Africans. This is obvious, man. It's obvious what's happening. You don't need me to tell you. You don't need me to tell you. It's, uh, it's just how it is. Uh, let's see. Next question. It's good, by the way, Barry. That's a good question. Thank you for the question. All right. Next question. Uninspired thought says, I'm curious, JLB, what you found is the oldest reliable text available. Look, reliable, I don't know about because that's a personal subjective thing. For any person doing their own research, it's up to them to decide, do I think this particular text is reliable, right? But in terms of the oldest ostensible document, I don't have like a single one to give you off the top of my head. What I can tell you is that oftentimes with various different lines of research, it comes back to the 1800s. Yeah, the 1820s, the 1840s, the 1850s. Whether I'm looking into ancient Greece, or I'm looking into the Bible, or ancient Egypt, we're talking the 1800s is as far back, typically, as I'll find things. I have found some things that will then link to something in the 1700s, which is why you'll hear me say a couple of hundred years, a few hundred years. I've found a few documents that I'm happy to take on face value as being from the 1700s. But that's it. But that's it. But, I mean, even if you wanted to be more uh, liberal, you know, more... Uh, we'll just take it on face value, even if it looks completely shoddy. You might get back to the 1500s, maybe, right? Maybe. But even then, 500 years. But we're convinced that humans go back thousands of years, which maybe they do, but do we have the evidence for that? I don't think we do. I don't think we do. But that is a good question. What I should do one day is, like, set aside a solid month or two to just focus on the history hoax and then and then like have my own little list guys here's the oldest documents that I think might be legitimate if you can find anything this old or older let's add it to, let's come up with our own list of documents that we, we're not saying are definitely from from this time period but at least we're happy to take them on face value for the sake of of research or whatever that's a, that's a good question Trusty Shellback, by the way, a lot of the names in the live chat, I've never seen these names before. So if you're new subscribers to the John the Bond YouTube channel, welcome. Hope you're enjoying it. It is uh, unique. There's nothing like it on the internet, for better or for worse. Trusty Shellback is one of these new people, and they ask, Americans have been fooled... Actually, this is not a question. This is a comment. Americans have been fooled into believing we are free. The police state is in full effect, and taxes and fees are at 50% now. Yeah, it's interesting when you go from a country like Australia, which is supposedly a democracy and supposedly free, where if you walk around the city on a Saturday night, there are police looking to start problems, you know, police with guns looking to start problems. And yes, I know part of their job is shit. I know they've got to deal with drunks and people getting into fights. I'm not... I'm not saying all police are bad or anything like that, but the fact of the matter is we've got police who are out there on power trips in Australia. Yes, I've seen it firsthand, right? Then you come to a country like Vietnam, which is supposedly communist. There's police on almost every corner here, right? Almost every corner, there's police. But so far as I can tell, they don't have guns. And I can tell you 100%, they're not looking for trouble. They're happy just to chill. Just to chill. Not asking a single question. Not asking a question of me, an obvious foreigner. Not asking a question of the locals. 
not asking questions of anybody. They're happy just to chill. They're happy just to chill, right? Even on a Saturday night, when everyone's out getting pissed. No, happy just to chill. Yeah? It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal to go from a free, a free democratic country where, yeah, you're, you're about as free. You're free up until you walk in front of the wrong set of police officers. Let's put it that way. And then come to a communist country and, you know, I don't want to go into too much detail about what I saw or did when I was in Saigon, but I was seeing and doing things that perhaps, perhaps most people wouldn't believe you could do in any, any country. And no one gives a shit. As long as you're not hurting anybody, you know, you, you, yeah, it's, it's hard, it's hard for me to convey to you because even I can't really believe it. And yet I know it's true. They're more free here than, than in our countries. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal, man. And people will come back to me and they'll be like, oh, but you know, you're, you're just, you're just having the experience of a foreigner. They won't cause you problems, mate. Because they say, no, I'm, I've been here for four months and I've spent a lot of time with locals here. Like I explained, I'm not a tourist like the normal tourists. I'm, I'm here seeing a different side of things. No, no one's causing problems here. No one's causing problems. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, let's see, that's about it in the live chat, I think. No more questions. Uh, Take No Gnosis has joined the live chat as well. Another super agent at johnabond.com. It's uh, almost midnight here, guys. I can stay up as late as I want, honestly. And I'd be happy to stay a bit longer if there's questions coming through. But if not, I might wrap it up. I'll just get a drink of uh, water. Just give me a second here. So what was I saying? Oh, yes. Uh, the live chat. Thank you to everybody who has uh, sent through a question and uh, and a comment. It's appreciated. Up to almost 20 people now. Uh, Influence Freedom is in the live chat. They go by a different name now, Zero Infinity. Influence Freedom is a lovely lady from... The United States, I'm not sure which part of the US. We uh, we first crossed paths back in 2014, five years ago. There used to be this thing on YouTube called the Truth Movement, the YouTube Truth Movement. And that was back when I was new to all of this, so I was much more naive and gullible. And I really did believe a lot of people had... <laughs> I, I believe people were doing their own research... I believed people truly cared about objective truth. I believed that uh, people were here because they had they had this idea that that they could improve themselves and the world. You know what I mean? End all the world. I thought people were intelligent. You know, turns out intelligence is for the most part a hoax. Most people are not intelligent. Most the average person is not even close to intelligent. Not even close, man. And, uh, and yeah, so I got, got sucked into this, uh, so-called truth movement. I actually believed that these people were legitimate at first. And I met Influence Freedom through, through, I met her online. You know what I mean? Like I met all these people online as a result of all of that. And, uh, actually Influence Freedom was a big, uh, critic of mine when I was interviewing all of the flat earthers because she thought I was discrediting the truth movement. So I think she got sucked into the uh, the truth cult, the truth movement cult, for a while there. We, many of us did, you know. So I'm assuming that, that if she was here right now, she would agree with what I just said. Hopefully I haven't said anything that doesn't uh, accord with her memory, but that's how I remember things. But it's good to see her in the live chat. You know Influence, um, Josh. Josh is back with a new channel. He's now doing music. 
uh, Josh Truth Undernight is back, which I think is pretty cool. He's about the same age as me, so back in the day there was a few of us. We were all like within two years' age of each other. Myself, Tim Osman, Josh, aka Truth Undernight, and one or two other guys. And and we all had our own way of doing things. But looking back, I think we were some of the only genuine people there. We were almost like, I don't know, I don't want to say that it's all like an age thing, but I think maybe when you're like in your mid-twenties, you're just old enough to to feel like, yeah, I've got something that's worth, it's worth people hearing, you know, like when you're 18 or 20, if you're intelligent, you know, you're still, you're still coming up to speed. Mid twenties, you're like, now I'm old enough now, but you're also still young enough to be idealistic and naive and a little bit rebellious. And so, yeah, there's many Timmy Osman and, and Truth Hunter and I, we weren't working together at any time, but we were all kind of doing similar things in different ways. It was uh, kind of cool looking back. So Timmy comes and goes, he comes and goes, very intelligent guy, he, he comes and goes, his channel's there, deletes it, starts again, whatever. But I thought Josh was gone, but he's back, which is pretty cool. Now he's uh, focusing on his music, which I think is cool, like a creative outlet, you know, rather than all of this uh, truth cult nonsense. And he was one of the first to like realise, hold on guys, this is a freaking cult. <laughs> this, this thing that we're in, and by then I was already out, I was already way out, because when I got attacked... For interviewing the Flat Earthers, I realised these guys are a freaking cult. If I can't even interview the Flat Earthers, you guys have problems, you know. Forget yous. So I was already out. But Josh was still in with those people. But then he started saying, nah, hold on guys, this is a freaking cult. You guys are a freaking cult. Like, this is not about having opinions and having a discussion. We all have to agree about the same things. We all have to agree that men went to the moon. No way, man. And, and so he started trolling the cult from within. Funny stuff, like, most people who ever see this, this live stream or hear this audio that I'm doing now will have no idea what I'm talking about, but it's like, for a lot of us at the time, it was a big part of our lives, you know. We'd get home from work, and in my case, at my job, at the time, the job I was doing, I was able to follow a lot of this while I was at work, you know. If we had a quiet day, I could listen to live shows, and, and um, yeah, it was a big part of, of my life, and a lot of us back then, it was a big part of our lives. But it must sound so crazy to, to those of you who who weren't there. You're like, what the hell are you talking about? Truth cult, online truth movement, people you've never met but you feel like you've got this affinity for them or vice versa. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, it, it would be from the outside sound crazy. But again, for those of us who were there, and there would have been a couple hundred of us around the world, you know, who were... Like, it was a, it was a proper subculture, you know, like... From a sociological perspective, we're talking about a little subculture that that grew online, and uh, yeah. Anyway, so so getting back to what I was saying, influence freedom. Yeah, Josh, Josh is uh, doing his music thing. Pretty cool. Uh, let's see. Hold on, more, more questions. It's suddenly coming through. Let's have a look. All right, Mister um, said rhyme. Cedric, what are we discussing? Well, originally this was just a, a way for me to celebrate 500 subscribers on the new channel and to test out the uh, internet quality here, which no one's commented on in the live chat, so I assume that means there's no buffering, which is good. And I was also going to discuss uh, media fakery, but really what I've done is just take another trip down memory lane. It feels like every one of these live streams I'm just walking on down memory lane. 
I'm in a very reflective mood these past few months. Traveling the world, I'm all alone. Like a lot of people who do this whole traveling thing, they've got a friend or they've got a partner. I'm traveling all by myself. And uh, so I spend a lot of time, you know, thinking and reflecting. And, and to think where I am now, where it all started, it's just crazy, man. And like lately I've got a couple of emails from, from old friends from like university. So we're going back so far now. And now they're having kids, they're getting married. Cause we're all about the same age. And it's like, I'm not getting married. I don't have kids. You know what I mean? I'm, look at me. I live all alone. I'm staying all alone in a two bedroom apartment in Hanoi. There's no fiance here. There's no children here, man. And then I think, well, what, what does the future hold for me? What does it hold, you know? Because once, once you go off that normie path, you can get back on it, but it's like, do you really want it? Would you want to? Well, I think there are some huge benefits to it. I think there are, man. Just having that. Now, humans, we think we want choice, but really we're happiest when we have very few choices. It would seem to me. So once you're married and have kids, it's like, well, you don't really have much choice now. It's like, get up, go to work. Come home, pick the kids up on the way home from school. Or uh, pick them up from sports practice or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it, the, the next 20 years are pretty well set out for you. You don't have to think about them anymore. You can just make the most of, of what you've got and not think about decisions now. The decisions are pretty much made for you now, right? Whereas for me, it's like, well, look, I, I kind of conquered. I had this little hobby five or six years ago. Didn't realize how far I would get drawn into it, didn't realize what I would learn, didn't realize what would happen, but but now I'm like, well, I've kind of conquered it. I can walk away from all of this tomorrow. And it's like, I, I made it to the top of a mountain that I didn't even know was such a big mountain and that I never would have wanted to walk to the top of in the first place. And yet here I am. And I can walk away tomorrow and go back to Normieville. You know, do I really want to do that? So... I've been thinking a lot about the, the journey over the last five or six years. It's it's just crazy to think back to 2013-14. So much has happened and yet it feels like it went like that. So that's what we're talking about. That's, that's, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. Um, let's see. Uninspired thought. Uh, asked another good question. What if trying to verify the providence leads to documents behind the glass uh, screen in a museum, which very well could happen? Most of the research that I've done, I've been able to trace back sources thanks to the Internet Archive. Internet Archive. And they've got... I think they claim to have millions, and it wouldn't surprise me if this were true. I tend to believe them. Millions of scanned copies of books, including rare books, precious books that have been scanned and are available in PDF format. You know what? Let me show you guys something. Bear with me. This will take me 30 seconds to load. I want to show you... How many of you guys know anything about the Internet Archive? You've heard of it, obviously. You've probably used it. There's a thing called the Wayback Machine. So you can look up what web pages look like five, ten years ago, thanks to this this online uh, portal or function that allows you to search and look at, you know, web pages that exist today, how did they look 10 years ago? Web pages that don't exist today, but they did 10 years ago, what did they look like? We can use the Wayback Machine. I'm sure all of you guys know this. That Wayback Machine is part of, it's run by the Internet Archive. Who are they? Who is the Internet Archive? Who are these people? Okay, the Internet is such a big part of our lives now. Look at this, I'm, I'm streaming it 
midnight from Hanoi on a, on a Wednesday night. You're watching from wherever you are right now, either live or on delay, or listening, as the case might be. This is all thanks to the internet, and someone's documenting it. And it's not they're not just documenting the internet, they're also providing for us millions of books, including books that are ostensibly a couple hundred years old, that allows people like me to do our research. Who are these people? Who Who is behind the Internet Archive? Stick around, because on the other side of this break, we're going to take a look at the Internet Archive. All right, just bear with me. I do not recall in my entire life ever seeing a film that has made me question my own sanity as much as the film Joker, which I just got back from seeing on the day of the release here in Bangkok, Thailand. I believe the film is opening in most of the world today or the day just gone. And I think it opens in America tomorrow on the 4th of October, but today was the 3rd of October. It's just past midnight now. And I promised myself I'd record I did just not a few recall of in my entire life of this film. So I'll cut right to the chase. I give this film two honks. You might be thinking, is that two honks out of four or out of five? It's not out of anything. It's just two honks. It was much better than I expected. I went in there with fairly low expectations, to tell you the truth. The reason I wanted to go and see this on the day of its release, which I don't think I've ever done before, going and seeing a film on the actual release day. There's a whole number of reasons I wanted to do that, and they're very esoteric, so I won't bore you with those details now. I might talk about them in a future video. But that's what I did. I went and saw it here in Bangkok, and I was in a cinema where I think everybody was Thai except for me. The part of Bangkok I'm in, everybody is Thai except for me. And that led to a very amusing outcome at one point halfway through the movie. I'll explain that at the end. But yeah, something happened that was rather amusing and ironic given the film that was on and I'll explain that in a moment. But basically, if you're someone who still believes that things that happen in your life are just coincidence, this film, and what I'm about to say about it probably won't make sense to you, but for me personally, sitting there in the, in the cinema, about halfway through I found myself thinking, this film is talking to me. This film was made for me right now. But the thing is, once you start getting into what we call sync, this idea of synchronicities, things that happen in the world, they might not just be by chance. There might be something big going on. Once you get into that frame of mind, it's easy to feel like every every film is just for you. But certain things happen in this film that do speak to me directly and might speak to you directly as well. Because a lot of people go through the blue pill phase and then something happens and they start getting into red pill stuff. But if they stick at that long enough, and they're objective enough, they realize that that's all a joke as well, and they end up... Did you guys enjoy that? That was my uh, review of the uh, the film Joker. But I had the screen off when I was doing that. In fact, I think the, the screen is still off. Let me bring the screen back. Let's get back. There we go. Alrighty. Yep. Am I back? Am I back yet? No. You guys could hear that, right? Let me know if you could hear that. You should have been able to hear that. I'm still playing around with OBS, learning how to share things so you can hear them. But you should have been able to hear that even if you couldn't see it. And I was using that as uh, a way to just keep keep the show running while I was loading up the pages I wanted to speak about. So let's get back. If you want to see the rest of my review of Joker, by the way, just type in John LeBond Joker Review, and I'm sure YouTube will help you out. I might put a link to it in the info box below as well, but uh, the film's several weeks old now. Who wants to see a, a film review from weeks ago? 
But uh, anyway, enough about all of that. Let's talk about the Internet Archive. And again, the context here is that <clears throat> if you want to do some research about the history, right, you're told that there was this guy called Plato. So you're like, okay, I want to learn about Plato. You get a textbook that was printed in 2010. And you're like, okay, well, that, that book wasn't made when Plato was around. It was made a few years ago. What do they know about Plato? Oh, they've got our sources. Okay, cool. What are the sources? I'll go and get those books. So you go and get those books. They've got sources. And you keep doing this until you get back to the original. What is the original thing that they're getting this information from, right? Well, thanks to the Internet Archive, anyone can do that now because a lot of these old books have been digitized. That is, someone has got the book, Oxford Library, Harvard Library, uh, in the... Uh, sorry, Oxford and Cambridge in the UK, Harvard and, and Yale in the US. Some of these older or more prestigious universities have offered up their books, their old collections to be digitized, to be photocopied and uploaded as uh, PDFs or what have you. And so what that means is that you can trace back the sources and then you might say, oh, but... So you could do that, like, does that go back to like what Plato originally wrote? No. These books that go back a couple of hundred years, you get to a point where there is no source in the book. It's just a whole bunch of stories. So it's like the book today has all these sources. Oh, they, they're basing this on, on sources. And, and if you get those books, oh, they're based on sources. So you just assume that they all go back to a source. But when you get back to books from a few hundred years ago, there's no sources in them. They just start telling stories. They just start telling stories. And it's like, what? But, but where does that story come from? If this book is from the 1800s, that's not when Plato was from. So where did this book get its stories? And then eventually you realize that's when the story started. The story of Plato didn't start 2,000 years ago or 1,000 years ago or 500. It started a couple hundred years ago. A lot of these characters of history, they only started as stories a couple hundred years ago. What? That can't be true, JLB. No way. Yeah, I know, right? It's crazy. Crazy stuff. So anyway... So I was asked a good question in the chat by Uninspired Thought, a new member of JohnTheBond.com, and he said, what happens if you're tracing the sources, but one of them goes to a book that's behind the glass? Okay. Now, something like that could happen, but that hasn't been an issue in any of the major research pieces that I've put together on JohnTheBond.com. I've been fortunate the Internet Archive always comes up with the copies of the books I'm looking for. All right? Now, you can say, oh, but they could be fake copies. Sure, they could and then you can reject them. You're still left with the history hoax problem. But I'm happy to take those books on face value. I'm, I'm happy to say, hey, I'm not even going to argue and say that these books are fake. I'm happy to pretend that these books are real. I want to see their sources. And that's as far back as you have to go to get to no sources. The wireframe mesh, as I call it. So that being the case, what is the Internet Archive? What is this magical place that lets us do all of this research? Let's take a look. Uh, but before we do, I couldn't help myself. I wanted to look up my website from... Uh, this is this is the Wayback Machine. Let's zoom in. There you go. Can you guys see that? Yes, you can. So this is the Wayback Machine. And what I'll do is I'll go to my website from the middle of 2016, shall we? Let's go take a look. Is that working? Why is that not working? Don't embarrass me. Internet. I've just spent all this time making you sound like this great thing. Why is it not working? Alright, let's take a look at 2017. What did my website look like back in 2017? I'm curious to know, two years ago. I was living in Brisbane in a share house. 37 things, normies believe. Epsilon agenda? 
Why is George Clooney in the banner? Uh, the mailing list was at the top. We used to only have seven recent comments. I used to have a calendar. I don't know why I have that there. Uh, Real or Hoax. I used to do all these shows called Real or Hoax. Those were the days. Wow, no... No supporters section back then. Wowee. Interesting. Alright, let's take a look at... Middle of 2016. So I had the same banner. I've kept the same banner. I haven't changed that at all. Different background back then, though. Oh, yeah. I once had a live stream with Russian vids. I forgot about that. Man, those were the days. Uh, look at this, man. Recent comments. I had a comment from Jaren on my About section. It's probably still there. Look at this. Oh, wait. See? So it doesn't matter if I take my website down. I could... I could shut down my website tomorrow, but all of these screen caps will be there forever, or at least as long as the, the Wayback Machine survives, you see. Let's take a look here. Is Jaren still there? Oh, no, it just links to Jaren's website. Okay, interesting. All right. Okay, interesting. So let's take a look. This is the Internet Archive, guys, and tell me, guys, in the live chat if the audio doesn't come through. Remember, somebody is documenting all of the books and all of the internet as we speak. And most people have no idea who the hell this guy is. I did my research into these people and the guy who runs a place called Brewster Kale a couple of years ago. That research I've never shared with anybody outside of johnthebond.com. And even most of the members of my website don't know about that research, even though it's there, because they generally... There's too much there now for new members to go back through everything. So they won't be aware of what I released about all of this research a couple of years ago, but it's pretty full on. I'm going to try and put some of the dots there for you to connect over the next uh, five or ten minutes. Check this out. This is a Mother Jones video about the Internet Archive. San Francisco, of course, which is the hub of Internet technology in the world today. When we started the Internet Archive, people either said, well, you're crazy, uh, or you can't do it. But we did it anyway. Bruce DeKale, fascinating dude, very intelligent dude. I've probably watched or listened, like in terms of audio, to this guy for maybe four, five, six, seven hours, I'm not even sure, when I learned it. But this is all going back a couple of years ago now. When I learned about this guy, I wanted to learn more. So I just got all the video, all the audio that I could, and I wanted to know who is this guy. And it's turned out to be extremely useful. All right, so I'm here next to what you could... Richmond, California. ...actually called the archive. We have 24 individual discs on the front of each unit, and another... Is it just me or does that guy look like Greg Carwood? That guy kind of like Greg Carwood, doesn't he? Greg Carwood, the high side chats. Greg Carwood, great guy. High side chats, excellent podcast. Helps me to get... Um, I don't want... Probably of my membership on my website today, you can probably say anywhere from a quarter to a third found my website thanks to my interview on the high side chats. So for that, I will always be grateful. And uh, yeah, one of the few people in the scene who at least takes the time to do the research, you know. If he gets a guy on his show who is an author, he at least reads the book before he interviews the guy. How many people in our scene even do that? Almost none. So Greg Carwood, cool dude. But this dude at the Internet Archive, Sean Fagan, I reckon he looks like Greg Carl was long lost brother. 12 on the back of each unit. 
each disk is four terabytes worth of information, which equates to quite a lot. So each blue light that you see here is basically somebody downloading something from us. It's odd because our website's like America's Attic. We have everything. The Internet Archive started by archiving the web. He just said the Internet Archive started by archiving the web. Just take a look at what's in the background here. That'll all be explained in a moment. So every web page from every website, every two months. So the idea is that's the, the shutter speed, the sort of how long it takes to sort of take a picture. So take a pic and then start again. And then start again, start again. So behind me here is the Marion Stokes collection. It's about 35 to 40 years of news taped off of TV onto VHS and Betamax. The first I or anybody else at the archive heard of the Marion Stokes collection was when her son sent an email saying, my mom recently died and had been collecting television news for some 35 years. And I thought perhaps there might be a typo in his email that I couldn't imagine an individual doing just that. So we have 35 pallets of material, about 40,000 individual tapes. So as you can see in the... What do you reckon, eh? Uh, hey, 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 drink a little drink, smoke a little smoke, coming to you from blah, 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 San Diego. Box, they're all quite nicely labeled um, by date. So we got some samples of VHS and Betamax. We saw, lo and behold, one, they were in good shape. And secondly, that her recorders had successfully picked up the closed captioning when it became available. And closed captioning is this incredibly valuable metadata that we employ for search. So right here we have CNN 3, 3 p.m. 10.701, and they're all labeled just as nicely, so uh, we just need somebody to go through and actually have a look at them. Do you reckon they have the moon landing telemetry data in there somewhere? They might. As Raj Reddy from Carnegie Mellon put it, universal access to all knowledge. See, now that device there, that's how they digitize books. So they get one of these books, whether it's from someone, like they say, who's died and left their books behind, or they get the books from one of the libraries that have these uh, heavily detailed or um, comprehensive libraries with older books. Whatever the case might be, they put them in one of these devices, and this is how they digitize them relatively quickly. As you can see, it's got like a photocopy on either side, right? So you put the book in, bang, turn the page, bang, turn the page, bang. Then it automatically takes all of these images, turns into a PDF. When you go to Internet Archive and download a book in PDF format or whatever format, this is how it's happened. And these people are all volunteers, they claim, which is pretty full on. It seems to be one of the great opportunities of our generation. And if you gather up enough information into one place and make it so that people can move through it, like they did at the Library of Alexandria in 300 BC, great things can... All right, did you hear what he just said? He goes, if you get all the information and put it together so that people can go through it like at the Library of Alexandria... Those of you who are already members of JohnTheBond.com who are familiar with my research will be thinking to yourself, holy shit, yes, this is what made me want to go look into this further because the guy who's building the modern Library of Alexandria is the guy who's building the, like, the receptacle of information for the old books and for the modern internet. He's comparing it to the Library of Alexandria. Of course, if we take the time to look into the Library of Alexandria, what do we learn? It's a hoax. It never existed. There never was a library of Alexandria. There was never a great library of Alexandria at all. There was no great fire of the great library of Alexandria. None of this happened, none of it. Nobody died, nobody got hurt, period. But this guy compares what he's doing to that library. 
Just think about that for a moment. Come of it. Brave Alexander into one place and make it so that people the great opportunities of our generation. And if you gather up enough information into one place and make it so that people can move through it, like they did at the Library of Alexandria in 300 BC, great things can come of it. Okay, so this particular video doesn't actually explain who those funny, weird people are in the background, right? I haven't, again, this is, we're talking about research that I was doing two years ago now, so I haven't seen this video for at least two years, right? And all the other videos, I watched so many, how can I remember exactly which one was which? I just thought they were going to mention the, the funny people since they had them in the, in the camera shot. But how about we just take a look at Internet Archive, just bear with me here, guys. Um, church, which is kind of giving it away, but you'll see, you'll see. Maybe this will, maybe this video will do the job for us. Let's take a look, shall we? Think of a library and what comes to mind. Maybe the one in your hometown where you grew up pulling index cards from a filing cabinet using the Dewey Decimal System to find your sometimes musty books. Libraries have changed a lot since then, of course, to keep up with the way we get our information online. But what happens to all that old content posted to the Internet? It turns out there's a library for that, too. Dasha Burns of our streaming service, NBC News Now, travels to San Francisco for our Sunday Spotlight. This former church is filled with treasures from the past, but it might also hold a key to the future. So this sound has been digitized. Yes, and a lot of the uh, music that we've been digitizing just hasn't been on the Internet ever. The place is home to a nonprofit called the Internet Archive. They want to be a digital library for everything. And I mean everything. Can we make it so that all the published works of humankind be accessible to anybody? It sounds impossible. But it has happened before, back in the third century. The Library of Alexandria was amazing in that it was the collection of what the Greeks, the Romans, the Hittites, the Hebrews all had to say, and it was in one place. Brewster and his team want to resurrect the library in 21st century style. You built this beast. <laughs> yes. Why? The question is, what can you do with your technology that would be good? Well, why don't we go and build the library that's been promised all these years? But that's a pretty massive undertaking. So how big is the Internet Archive? It's about 40 petabytes. Let's put it this way. Your phone is probably in the ballpark of 64 gigabytes. 15 phones, you got a terabyte. A thousand of those is a petabyte. And 40 petabytes is the Internet Archive. Every time a light blinks, is somebody either uploading something or downloading something from the Internet Archive. These are people doing things on the Internet. Over a million people a day use the Internet Archive, and you can see their activity. For those who grew up with the Internet, it sort of feels like everything that's ever been is there. That's not really the case. This is a diary of a Russian general. If you didn't digitize it, how long would that last? It would just it would get lost with time. Yeah. It's an interesting challenge. How do we preserve our history, our knowledge, our information in a digital world? First step, put it all online. Just all of it. Most information today does go directly online. But the average life of a web page is only 100 days. 
I think there's this idea that once it's on the internet, it's there forever, but that's not really not, true. Not at all. Mark Graham is the director of the Wayback Machine. It's the Internet Archive's, well, archive of the internet. There was a study that was done at Harvard, for example, that looked at links that were used in Supreme Court opinions mm -hmm. and found that after a few years, 49% of the links no longer resolved to the content. For the opinions of the highest court Correct, in the land. Yeah. So is the Wayback Machine fixing that? Uh, working on it, absolutely. It's become a tool for accountability. We got this phone call from someone at Google who um, asked if we had seen what uh, Donald Trump had just tweeted. The president had tweeted a video alleging Google didn't promote last year's State of the Union. So Google asked if we had... For the record, when I was doing my research a couple of years ago, <clears throat> I haven't seen this video because it hasn't been published yet. This video is from March of this year, 2019. So this is only six or seven months old. So that's why the Trump nonsense is... See, I don't follow the news, right? So even when I'm looking for video... All I want them is to show the freaking church, okay? They, they put all these weird little statues in the church, okay? It's a little bit eerie. That's all I wanted. Instead, they're giving me videos. Somehow Trump is... Somehow Trump being a liar is in there. This is what the normies are watching. Like, what a time to be alive. A copy of the front page. They don't have a record of that. That's not their job, necessarily. But it is a job for the Wayback Machine. We can show it was, in fact, being promoted. It's a modern-day resource that will have modern-day consequences. I think people will get a pass for some things, but I think they'll be held accountable for other aspects of their digital lives. So to you, those trade-offs are worth it. I think we're all adjusting to a digital world. For Sunday Today, Dasha Burns, San Francisco, California. Dasha, thank you very much. Beginning in May, by the way. Okay, so that's uh, zero from two. Let's try one more video, shall we? Actually, the, the thumbnails kind of like show you, don't they? Here we go, here we go, all right. This one. This is what we're looking for. Don't you worry about that. This one is going to take us right to... Oh, it's the same Mother Jones video. So they put the people in the thumbnail and then they don't talk about the people. No, same video. All right, this... this There's a certain irony to all of this. All right, let's just try one. Let's just try one more. Mm, maybe this one. What do you reckon? Do you like our chances? No. 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 This is bullshit, man. Alright, look, I can't prove it to you today, okay? But there is video footage, I'm sure of it, of the inside of that church. You saw the church? What they did was, they started doing little human uh, statues and putting them in the, the, what do you call them, aisles of the of the church. That's not the right word for it. I'm trying to talk about it. It's 12.30 at night here. And, uh, yeah. In my opinion, they look a bit eerie. But that's doesn't really prove anything. I'm not saying it proves anything. I'm just saying it's what caught my eye. But, obviously, the, some of the more important information uh, has already been revealed. <clears throat> so, what these people are doing is, the people who are digitizing all the books, they're also digitizing the internet. And who are they? Brewster Kale. Those two videos didn't explain who Brewster Kale is, did they? Well, I wanted to find out who he was. And the information's all there. So that's what I found. And I don't think he is nefarious. I don't think he's a bad guy at all. In fact, I think what he's doing is very noble. I like the idea of what people do being on the internet. I like that. I like the idea that 
our lives are being recorded by something. And this is where it gets a little bit esoteric and philosophical, but basically I like the idea that something is keeping track of all of this, right? This is an idea that a lot of us have as children. There's something watching over us. And then as we get older, it's common for us to sort of lose faith that that's the case, that there's something keeping track. But I like the idea that there is something keeping track. Because if there is, I'm pretty confident that the overall assessment of my life would be a good one. So I kind of hope something's paying attention. I hope that something bigger than me does care about all of this, even if it is all in ones and zeros. And the more I learn about how people really operate, how people really behave, how people really think or don't think, the more it seems to me that maybe we're already living in something similar to what some people call a simulation. We are surrounded by non-player characters, robots, scripted people, entirely predictable responses to stimuli, to questions, comments, things said in their presence. You know how they're going to behave, how they're going to react. Why is that? Why is that? Why does it seem like there are some people who can generate their own thoughts and a lot of people who can't? What are we living in exactly? Well, if the internet archive keeps growing, then slowly but surely there'll be people born into this world whose entire lives will have been digitized. Their ultrasounds, before they're even born, will be up on Facebook. Yeah, Their first day at school will be a video on Facebook or the future version of Facebook. And everything they do will have been tracked with a little smartphone. And so they will be digital entities, won't they? And if you think through some of the consequences or the corollaries of this, it's sometimes I think it's quite obvious what's going on here. Sometimes I think that. But uh, if you're a member of JohnTheBond.com, I can send you a link to all that research that I did a couple of years ago. I've only touched on the very surface level of it tonight. And if you're not a member of JohnTheBond.com, why not? Why not? What are you spending your money on at the moment? Yeah, 40 bucks to join JohnTheBond.com. What are you going to spend that 40 bucks on that's more important than joining the brightest minds on the internet today? Truly, I'd love to know. Tell me in the live chat. Tell me what you spend that $40 on. I'd love to know. What is better than JohnTheBond.com? I'm sure there are some things. I'd love to hear it. I'd love to know. Because I want to go and spend my money on that thing. Whatever it is that you're spending your money on that's better than my website, I want to go there too. Tell me. Trust me, I can afford 40 bucks. I want to go there. I don't think such a place exists. So let's go through the comments here. Let me bring up something on the screen. Let's see. Uh... Well, actually, that's the image I was talking about. There you go. Those are all little creepy humans. So uh, let's leave it there. Oh, number 17. Very nice. Alrighty. Okay, so let's read out the comments then. Let's see what we've got. Uh, Uninspired Thought says, What it's getting at is if the wireframe mesh is all behind glass in a museum, can we ever really know? Well, that, that touches on a very good point, which is that I don't think we can. I mean, all we can do is draw inferences. We can't know for certain. You know, it's a bit like how Winston never gets to know if there's a resistance or not in 1984. O'Brien's like, you'll never know. We don't get to have that that um, that stability of knowledge, knowing exactly what happened. All we can do is draw inferences, which, you know on a fundamental level is frustrating. So frustrating that most humans would prefer just to believe one thing or another and believe it with all their heart, with all their mind. This idea of being, well, we can't know, all we can do is draw inferences. Most people can't do that. From what I can tell. Uh, let's see. Trusty Shellback says, Charlie, what do you think of modern medicine? 
I think if I broke my arm, I'd want an expert to help me uh, straighten it. And if I was suffering serious blood loss, I'd like an expert to help me stop the blood loss. But beyond extreme examples, I think you want to stay as far away from the hospitals as you possibly can. In fact, why don't we go and ask an old friend of mine, the Reverend N.D., for his opinions on modern medicine. Let's ask Reverend N.D. Reverend N.D. is a member of JohnTheBond.com. He's a Mac member, and you can join Mac membership for just $9.11 Australian, which is like $6 American. You can join as a Mac member and get access to over 50 hours of content exclusive to members on JohnTheBond.com. Stay out of these motherfucking hospitals, man. Several nigga daddy just sending a message out to all the real niggas. We got to stay out of these motherfucking hospitals. They don't do nothing but find diseases to get niggas in these hospitals. Now, I know a lot of niggas out here, many of you trust the hospital like you trust God, like you've been sold God. You know what I'm talking about? And we trust these hospitals. We trust these doctors. And even though most of these motherfucking doctors don't even look like us, they ain't our people's. We believe them when they tell us that something's wrong. But you got to understand something. These people are paid to find a disease. These people are paid to find something wrong with you. As soon as a nigga walk in the door, they already counting their motherfucking money. The insurance company is counting their motherfucking money. The doctor is counting their motherfucking money. The doctors get paid commissions, dollars, excess, kickbacks. The pharmaceutical companies, the medical mafia, the medical industrial complex. You understand? Is any of what he's saying not true? No, it isn't. Every single thing he's saying is true. Now, of course, he's focusing on a particular racial element of the medical hoax, but everything he's saying applies to everybody. You are a customer for the medical industry, and if there's not something currently wrong with you, you're no use to them. But they're very good at finding something wrong with you. And, oh, aren't they such lovely people? They send out these free testing kits to everybody over the age of 50. Oh, you're over the age of 50, so we're just sending you this kit. Just take this sample and take a sample of your crap and see if there's any uh, abnormalities in the crap. We're just screening in case you've got something wrong. And then, of course, they send these out to thousands and thousands of people. Some people, they're like, uh-oh, I've got a bad got a bad result. Better go in. Oh, Mr. Jones, we've got some, some bad news for you. Uh, it seems that you do have stage 1 cancer. But the good news is, because we caught it early, there's an 87% chance that you're going to survive. And I just happen to know just the expert to send you to, blah, 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 because medicine is mostly um, socialized in countries like Australia. The person has just been told, oh, we can fix it. They're also told, don't worry about it, it's all covered. Someone else is paying, the taxpayer's paying. But someone's making money from this. So this person thinks they've got cancer, they think they're being cured, they get messed up on chemotherapy and other things in the meantime, and someone's making a ton of cash. Okay? There's a whole industry that makes cash from this. All right? That's the fact of the matter. Now, is everything about the medical industry bad? No. Break your arm, who's going to fix it? Well, I don't know how to fix it, so I'll go to one of those people. Okay? where you can see the problem for yourself, where you know there's a problem, why not get their opinion how to fix it? But beyond that, stay the hell away. Stay as far away as you can, my friend. Even when I was a kid, I hated hospitals. Like someone was sick and we had to go and visit them. I just always hated them. And and looking back, I wonder, did I know something? Did I know something? I just always hated them. You know, I, mean? I always had this weird feeling in them. 
and looking back, I think, maybe I knew, man. Maybe I actually did know. I see it's possible. It's possible, man. Yeah. So anyway, getting back to the questions then, let's have a look. Um, so I hope that answers your question, Tracy Shawback. Is there a God and or a creator? Too big a question to go into any detail tonight, I apologize. My old mate Nate says, swaddled with responsibilities. He's a, a rare genius, Nate. And uh, actually, he's just started making videos. Let me see if I can share one of these with you. Bear with me. Get ready, cause here comes Okie Dog. Mr. Okie Dog. Okie Dog, Okie Dog, what have you learned? Ring the bell, you'll understand. Get ready, cause here comes Okie Dog. Let's have a look here. Alright, so then we just bring the old screen back on. I'm pretty good at this. I'm pretty sure. Hold on. Where are we? Uh, yes. If I just press click on that. There we go. Beautiful. Alrighty. Then we just go to play. I'm not afraid of you. Probably gonna get hit by uh, YouTube for using copyrighted content, which I'll get out of easily. But by the time I do, I'll have lost viewers on the live the live stream. But uh, it's worth it. That is a cool video. I'll link to that in the info box below. But if you want to see any of the members of my website, the content that they're producing, just go to johnabond.com. On the right hand side, I've got links to all of their own materials. So, Technognosis, Apoch Shaker, Hando has his own website. He's basically a celebrity in Estonia. Cool dude. Nate, we just saw a video from then. Original Simulant has a blog. And there's about half a dozen others, maybe more than that. They have their own blogs, their own websites, and they're members of johnthebond.com. And so I link to all of that on the right-hand sidebar of the website. So if you want to see Nate's video, just go to number 88, Nate M. And he's got a ton of those. Well, I shouldn't say a ton. He's got half a dozen of those videos, but he's building up his catalog now. And if you're at all into film analysis or sync, Check that guy out. He's a genius, in my opinion. Not quite at the level of Jake Coatser just yet, but give him time and he will get there. Don't you worry about that. So let's go back to the live chat then. Where were we? Live chat. I know you're there somewhere. Hold on. 
There we are. Uh, let's see, Uninspired Thought is asking good questions. Obviously, he's still new to the website, still, uh, I guess, making his way through the History Hoax material. And he's asking the live chat about, sort of with the primary sources, you know, how do you trace back if the if the sources are in the Vatican Library or um, if they're behind glass screens or whatever. And again, it comes back to the, the things that I've focused on, like the Library of Alexandria. I didn't have to worry about that. I was able to find the root, the primary source, the fundamental source that's available as a PDF. If I was doing a lot of research and it wasn't available, I found a source that said, oh, this is only available behind the, the glass. There's another way to access it. I'd either have to go and, and one day see it for myself behind the glass, or in the meantime, make a decision. Do I take it on face value or do I disregard it? That'd be a personal decision and you would have to make your own personal decision as well. We, each of us has to do that as individuals, just make our own decision. Uh, is this reliable to me or not? And then And then go from there. Mikey Colin says, tell me about the dinosaur holotype you saw in Australia. I think I can go one better than that for you. Let's have a look here. Get rid of that. And uh, then I go to... Get ready, cause here comes Okie Dog. Why don't we play ourselves a little game of log or fossil? Check this out. It's time for everybody's favorite game, log or fossil. Okay, John LeBond here on the 5th of May 2017, and yesterday I finally finished going through all of the files from the different equipment that I took with me on the Dino Skeptic Road trip, and sorting it all into easy-to-use files by day, and then even within sub-files within the day, depending on how much we got up to during that day, and also between the different equipment that was used. So when it comes to making videos, and in particular the feature-length video. All the hard work is they need it. Too much trouble, as you can... All right, so what we were just looking at there is a video called Log or Fossil, and I show you some of the photos from my trip to the holotype specimen. You can see it for yourself. Just go to dinoskeptic.com. That's dinoskeptic.com. Check out the video. It's free. It's available free. And uh, you make up your own mind. Is that a legitimate dinosaur fossil? Make up your own mind. Let's see, uh, live chat starting to really heat up now. 17 people watching live. Uh, let's see. Mummy Sun says, I bet your jaw dropped and she was talking about the whole um, Alexandria, Library of Alexandria hoax being tied in with the Wayback Machine. Yeah, I mean... This, this is going back a couple of years. When I was making these discoveries, you've got to remember too, the website, there was almost no one there. So when I was making content about this stuff, there was like 20 or 30 people on the website as opposed to the, what is it now? Say 100, or about 100 people. Back then it was 20 or 30. You know, and not all of the members are 
engaged with the work at any given point in time. So, you know, to an extent, I, I really did feel like I was on, you know, I was, I was on my own, do you know what I mean, discovering these things. And, you know, and to this day, I, I never hear people speaking about some of the things that I... Like, how do I put this to you? Dinosaurs, other people are talking about dinosaurs now. Not many people, but like, for instance, Jan Irvin, Jan Irvin of uh, Gnostic Media, or whatever he calls his website now. You'll hear him talking about the dinosaur hoax, you know, at least every now and then, right? And there's lots of other topics where there's other people talking about them. But some of the connections that I've made between the leaders of what we call technology and things like theosophy and occult studies and the hoaxes of history and some of the connections that I've made between all of these things, no, no one else ever talks about them. You know, even two years later, when I've moved on to other topics, no one talks about this stuff. So, yeah, it's... Not only does it change what you think happened in the past, but it changes what you think's going on right now. There's no other people doing research. That's that's the key takeaway. Everybody thinks they're doing research because they watch videos, but no, if people were doing research, I wouldn't be the first person to to discover some of these things. You know, it's it's, it's a crazy time to be alive. And uh, Olin Rax says uh, that there is a video where you can see inside the church. Yeah, thank you for that. I'm sure there are. That's, that's the point I was making. There are these, these kinds of videos. But you know what, guys? It is a court till 1 a.m. It's time for me to go to bed. I'll stay up a bit later than I plan to. These uh, live streams are very addictive. It's very easy to get carried away. But I do need to go and get some sleep. So I'm going to wrap it up there. I'll give you a couple of minutes to send through any final thoughts. I'll read them out on the live chat. And then we will uh, wrap this presentation up. While I'm waiting for those final thoughts, I'll just go and show you around johnlebon.com. Let's take a look here. This is johnlebon.com, terrific website. I've spent years building this up and there's now more than 160, 160 hours of exclusive member content, uh, videos, podcasts. That doesn't include the articles. There's something like 200,000 words worth of articles, which is like two, two pretty decent sized books worth of exclusive articles as well that you get instant access to as a full member. If you join as a MOOC member, which is, like I said, $6 American, you get about 50 hours of content. So 50 hours instantly for $6 American, $164.40, which I think is a, a fantastic deal. So, uh, so yeah, go and check it out. All the membership options are listed on the membership section. And uh, you can see all of the, the feedback that I've gotten from members over the last few months about why they're glad that they joined. And I have to make this point one more time. The people who join the website don't all agree with what I'm saying. That's not the idea. The idea isn't that I convince you of everything and then you say, oh, you're right, I'll come and join you in your website. That's not how it works. The idea is, do you like to be around intelligent people who are willing to question what they think they know and be friendly? And if the answer is yes, there's only one place to be, and that's jungleblonde.com. So let's go and take a look at the uh, the live chat. So what says, glad to have caught a bit. Nice presentation. Thank you. So what, I appreciate that. Uh, if you're a new subscriber to jungleblonde.com, welcome. Welcome aboard. If, uh, if it wasn't so late, and if I didn't have neighbors who I don't want to annoy, I'd stay until the 500 subscriber joins, because we're on 499 right now. But I really do need to get going. So on the 30th slash 31st of October 2019, John the Bond signing off 
and uh, make sure you go and check out the links in the info box below johnthebond.com dinoskeptic.com a whole bunch of stuff I hope you enjoy it but we're going to leave it there until next time you guys take care of yourselves and remember no more monkey business